I want to thank you for making my pillow 2.0 a huge success. Now I'm bringing it to you for the lowest price ever. Get a queen size for only $39.98 with your promo code. My pillow 2.0 is made with my patented adjustable fill. Plus, we've infused the fabric with our temperature regulating technology. You combine that with our brand new Mattress Topper 2.0, and I guarantee you, you get the best sleep of your life. It's the perfect time to get the MyPillow 2.0s for your friends, family, and everyone you know. They truly make the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to save 50%. Get your queen size MyPillow 2.0, Regularly $79.96, now only $39.98, and king size just $5 more. From all of us at MyPillow, Merry Christmas and God bless. MyPillow.com You're welcome, Steve Martin. See, this is not a Vegas act. You know, I'm not Vegas. Like, places I play usually cost like $3 to get in, you know, and people are going, gee, I, I got $3. I think I'll throw it away. <laughs> oh, I can come in here for $3? Oh, okay. <laughs> but in Vegas, it's like $15 to get in, you know? And there's a reason for that because the acts are really good, you know? And also, some of the acts get paid a lot of money. That's, that's not the point. The point is that the acts are really good. You know, like you go and you pay the money and sit down, and the opening act usually like a singer, you know, and they really keep it moving. That's what you're paying for. You'd never, you can't understand what they say because it's going so fast, you know, but you're just entertained. You're sitting there going. <laughs> And they introduce and say, hello, the Framus Hotel here in Las Vegas brought in was Johnny Duke. Let's bring him out. Hey, thank you very much. We've been talking about the Las Vegas Matter. Frank's not a personal friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> Sammy David, you're a personal friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> Steve Martin, I'm a personal friend of mine too. Okay. <laughs> and now it's time for a little dance. And here we go. Previously on the Pete Santilli Show. Last night, I had Michael Yan on as a guest. And within two minutes mm-hmm. of going live, he sends me this video. I'm looking at it. Like, what the hell is that? He goes, mm-hmm. this just came off the border. He said, yeah. um, uh, Colonel Pete Chambers, you know, retired Colonel Pete Chambers, uh, former uh, 
special forces flight surgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had uh, had drone footage. Uh, his drone footage. It was exclusive because the border patrol had relayed to him. You're going to hear this story. Border patrol had relayed to him, given him some intel. I mean, they're, the border patrol is kind of split. All right, the Patriots are standing contact with the right people, but they said here's this area where the five thousand illegal immigrants were staged for invasion okay mm-hmm. and uh that came um in the form of this right here take a look at this right you're gonna see this so that's 5k on this side dangerous nation side there's 7k staged up but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but that's thermal, so you can see there's blankets on them because it is cool out here. So there you go. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna hear from uh, wow. from Dr. P. Chambers. So, there you go. So that's 5K on this side, Piedras Negras, the other side, there's 7K staged up but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but that's thermal, so you can see wow. the blankets on them because it is cool out almost, here. Almost, uh, almost a real-time feed, Dr. P. Chambers. Michael Yon, welcome back. Thanks for making this connection. And you're saying moments ago you just took this footage. Dr. P., if you can give us uh, a rundown on what we just saw and how that information came about. Yeah, okay, so I'm sitting here with Andrew Mullinex, the pilot and the uh, also producer of some documentaries, but uh, he came down to Texas so we could do exactly this, which was shine some light on what's going on. So just like a year and a half ago when 10, 16,000 Haitians showed up at, at Del Rio, we got the same situation happening here. So we got an insider at Border Patrol that said, hey, guys, you need to get down here right now. We got down here. He got the drone up pretty quick. Uh, we got over that point of entry at Eagle Pass, and that is the U.S. side. And there's a bridge. There's a train bridge on one side. You can see on that video. And the other side is the actual traffic point of entry for vehicles. Now, what we saw there was 5,000 roughly. There was there was already been uh, have, have been uh, basically corralled up in there they got blankets on them so that was a thermal image that you saw there and that was uh uh about 20 minutes ago and then on the other side which we could not get over the mexican side over their airspace but we've got 7,000 more staged up and that's from information coming in real time from a, a border patrol he's going to keep us apprised as to any changes there this evening so we'll be able to report more but that's that's literally 20 minutes ago We had to move because we we got in a spot where there was some uh, high visibility for us, and you can only fly those so long before they trigger on you. A few minutes, yeah. right? Get some lights so. Okay, yep. uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we actually were scheduled to uh, to do a you know a little bit more of a, a formal interview with Michael Yan, but recent uh, just moments ago, uh, we've got actually I'm gonna I'm gonna punch this up right now, and then uh, Doctor, I have Michael Yan and. Dr. Pete Chambers. We just got this video from down at uh, down at the border. So check this out right here. Uh, so that's this is 5K on this side. The Idris Negris, the other side, there's 7K staged up. 
but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone. But that's thermal, so you can see there's blankets on them because it is cool out here. So there you go. Okay, we're recording. So that's 5K on this side, Piedras Negras. The other side, there's 7K staged up, but do not have an actual location. It's too hard to scan at the distance we have on the drone, but... I wondered if a single person at the protest knew where it came from. The slogan first became famous 50 years ago, thanks to Cesar Chavez. He was the founder of the United Farm Workers Union. When Chavez said, si se puede, he meant something very different. Yes, we can seal the borders. Cesar Chavez hated illegal immigration. He was Hispanic, obviously, and definitely on the left, but he fought to keep illegal Mexican immigrants out of this country. He understood that peasants from Latin America will always work for less than Americans will. That's why employers prefer them. Chavez knew that. As long as we have a poor country bordering California, he once explained, it's going to be very difficult to win strikes. In 1969, Chavez led a march down the center of California to protest the hiring of illegal immigrant produce pickers. Marching alongside him was Democratic Senator Walter Mondale and the Reverend Ralph Abernathy, the longtime aide to Martin Luther King. Ten years later, Chavez dispatched armed union members into the desert to assault Mexican nationals who were trying to sneak across the border. Chavez's men beat immigrants with chains and whips made of barbed wire. Illegal aliens who dared to work as scabs had their houses firebombed and their cars burned. Chavez wasn't embarrassed about any of this. He bragged about it. No matter. Chavez remains a progressive hero. President Obama declared his birthday a commemorative federal holiday. It's an official day off in a half a dozen states. There's a college named after him and dozens of public schools. Cesar Chavez's life is a reminder of how much the left has changed and how quickly. Until recently, most Democrats agreed with Chavez. They opposed unchecked immigration because they knew it hurt American workers, and they were right. One study by a Harvard economist examined the effects of the mass migration of Cuban refugees to this country in 1980, the so-called Mariel Boatlift. He found that American workers in Miami with a high school education saw their wages fall by more than 30% after the refugees arrived. If you believe in supply and demand, this is not surprising. After the fall of Saigon in 1975, Democratic Governor Jerry Brown opposed letting Vietnamese refugees into California on the grounds that the state already had enough poor people. As he put it at the time, there's something a little strange about saying, let's bring in 500,000 more people when we can't take care of the 1 million Californians out of work. First-term Senator Joe Biden of Delaware agreed. He introduced federal legislation to curb the arrival of the Vietnamese. Two decades later, leading Democrats were still wary of mass immigration, especially illegal immigration. As Bill Clinton put it in the 1995 State of the Union address, Americans are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public services they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. No prominent Democrat would say anything like that today without being denounced as a racist. Clinton got a standing ovation. As late as 2006, there were still liberals who cared about the economic effects of immigration, legal or illegal. Immigration reduces the wages of domestic workers who compete with immigrants, explained economist Paul Krugman in the New York Times. We'll need to reduce the inflow of low-skilled immigrants. Mainly that means better controls on illegal immigration. That same year, Senator Hillary Clinton voted for a fence on the Mexican border. So did Barack Obama and Chuck Schumer and 23 other Senate Democrats. 
Not anymore. 20 years after Bill Clinton told Americans they had the right to be upset about illegal immigration, his wife scolded the country for enforcing border controls. So what changed? Not the economics of it. The law of supply and demand remained in effect. It's not a coincidence that as illegal immigration surged, wages for American workers stagnated. What changed is that Democrats stopped caring about those workers, about the middle class, really. Why? Here's the answer in four simple facts. One, according to a recent study from Yale, there are at least 22 million illegal immigrants living in the United States. Two, Democrats plan to give all of them citizenship. Read the Democrats' 2016 party platform. Three, studies show the overwhelming majority of first-time immigrant voters vote Democrat. Four, the biggest landslide in American presidential history was only 17 million votes. Do the math. The payoff for Democrats? Permanent electoral majority for the foreseeable future. In a word, power. That's the point, no matter what they tell you. American workers be damned. I'm Tucker Carlson. What is our common bond truly? Freedom. Freedom. Without freedom, you can't be a Christian no matter what denomination you belong to. You can't be a Buddhist. You can't own a donut shop. You can't drive from here to Oregon. You can't be an American because that's what it's all about. And it's the only thing that it's all about. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's about freedom. There's a time to pray and there's a time to stand. just the most important broadcast because i always say this is the most important broadcast of uh, i i i i of ever ever in the history of broadcast yeah for us all of us each and every one of us uh it is the most important gathering all right so this is what i need everybody to do um this is that moment of time sorry to break it to you but you've been chosen to live through this Mm. you are so uh, you will be, uh, the, yesterday, the day before, whatever it is that I said to you, either inspiring you or ticking you off. Okay.
okay? Whatever it was, throw all of that out, okay? And, and I want some criticism as well, all right? But this is what I won't take is excuses, right? Lucy gone with a $100 Rumble Lucy Rant. Lucy gone Christmas. with a uh, Lucy gone, you're so beautiful. All of our angel investors like Lucy mm. gone. Lucy gone, you're so, such a beautiful soul. All right. This is what I need everybody to, to do. All right. Um, now, I'm going to open this up. And by the way, uh, I will start opening up the phone lines. Um, we're broadcasting like crazy. We're working like crazy. But I couldn't think of a better opportunity than we have right now, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying this, and I'm gonna present a case to you. And it's gonna be between now, can you imagine, it's the 20th of December. Yeah. Uh, in 10 days, we have been planning, uh, and, and it's just been divinely inspired. A group of people have been coming together uh, to plan an event on the 30th because of a national security emergency that we spoke of last week, right? Mm -hmm. Who would have ever thunk that we would be in a national security emergency right now? And I mean right now, right now, of all the things. What? You what? <laughs> You knew this was coming? We all knew this was coming. Wait, but, but you know what? When we got together, we said, all right, we're going to do a marathon. We're going to get people educated. All right, everybody, we're going to rally. All right, everyone, click the rumble button. All right, everybody, muscles downrange. All right, everybody, get guns and bullets. Everybody get in where you fit in. And blah, blah, blah. You know, all those Santelliaisms. Mm -hmm. Who could have ever thought that right now we're right exactly where we are and we have the best opportunity for the following? Mm -hmm. A, a Christian revival in this country, period. That will happen uh, through the course of actions that we're going to take here. It's going to happen. Christianity will, will flourish. Christianity is being persecuted. We, we know that. Mm -hmm. I hereby declare that that is over. It's done. Anybody interferes. Uh, we have a First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution uh, that protects our right and keeps the government at bay. Any government official, I'm going to put them on notice Jamie right now. WV, yeah. $100 Rumble Rant. Oh, my Merry goodness. Christmas with love. Yeah. Jay. You know Thank what, you, can, I, can I tell you guys something? All right, this is what we got going on. No pressure, okay, but I just need to let you know. I didn't let you know, all right? Wow. Thank you, guys. Um, so of all the things that we have going on, uh, A, we're trying to save the world. B, we're trying to keep uh, the lights on. C, we're trying to keep food on the table. Mm -hmm. D, we're trying to get to a wedding <laughs> in exactly one month from right now. And then guess today. what happened on top of that? Jeez. Guess what happened on top of that? What? I've been invited to go to Washington, D.C. for the premiere of a documentary film that I'm a part of. Oh, fantastic. I and didn't guess know what this. I this had to say? Be new. Guess what I had to say? You'll, you better say you'll be there. I said I can't afford to even keep the lights on. Okay. <laughs> I can't afford to breathe, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's CO2 carbon output and Al Gore is going to come get me. Mm hmm. Uh, so on top of everything that we have going on, I was invited to go to D.C. on January 6th to be at a premiere in a documentary that I'm a significant part of. I was invited mm -hmm. by the director of the documentary. Are we going to say who it is? Huh? Are we going to say who it is? No. No, not yet? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. 
but I, 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 I've had to say no. Thank you, Patriot. Because for I have so Merry much going on. Christmas. Now, Love if, you both with if a $50 you guys, Rumble rant. Thank you. If you guys want to see me uh, go to Washington, D.C. and be scooped up by the deep state stuck in a gulag <laughs> for 890 days, then please contribute right now. No, We're just kidding. double it this time. No. We need we need your support. We do. We have to pay the light bill. We have to just survive. And then you ready? Now let's kick it up a notch. As of this December 20th, I'm going to keep repeating myself. And I want you guys because I'm, I'm going to repeat myself because I want you to recite uh, the same things. We are a peaceful. God centered. Thank you. Thank you, miss. I was it. Who is it? Uh mm. Big miss. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. And oh my goodness, mm. what is happening? Miss Q with a hundred dollars. Merry uh, Christmas and happy new year. Let's keep the lights on. That's because we said we we're gonna send Rico we said we were gonna Suave. send Miss Q a bag full of a trillion dollars. <laughs> she, uh, well, Rico Suave with a fifty just because. Thank you, Rico. You guys are amazing. Rico, we love you, dude. You know that? Uh, Miss Q, we love you. I, and I'm not excluding anybody. I'm just saying, uh, as I, re you know, Lucy gone, all of our wow. supporters, we love you. You know why? Because you guys, however. Sassy lady with mm. a 50 Merry Christmas. We mm -hmm. need you, Pete and Deb. Thank oh, my you goodness. so much. Mm. We need each other. And yes, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. Um. You know, if we're going to get on a red, white, and blue painted boat, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to put fuel on the boat and drive it, right? Yeah. And not everybody can do that. Maybe you guys can find somebody better to grab the steering wheel, right? Or somebody that has a better uh, uh, red, white, and blue color paint scheme, <laughs> right? But 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 we're oh, jumping man. on this thing. Everybody, all aboard. Let's go. Jump on this thing. I'm going to use a lot of analogies and isms. Uh, I need everybody to let, and take it one step at a time, one step at a time. But it's going to happen quickly here. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, we hold this truth to be self-evident, meaning I don't need to be repeating myself on this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it. And then I need everybody to support this. Okay. You ready? Clicking that thumbs up button will take the message I'm about to give and put it on the world's largest trafficked platform on planet Earth. And it's called Rumble. All right. If you push the button, we will reach other like-minded individuals. And this is what we need to do. What, what has happened here in the Supreme Court in Colorado is probably, not probably, sorry. It is the most significant event. It's the most significant event in our nation's mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? On election night, you know, we got a bunch of us okie dokes casting our ballot, people cheating, you go back and forth, you got to go to the courts, and we ping a pong, ping a pong, ping a pong. But ultimately, it has to get to the, you know, the front doorstep of those that are to protect our constitutional rights. You know, a state Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. or a U.S. Supreme Court. We've got one last opportunity in the U.S. Supreme Court, but we're not waiting, okay? We're not waiting. This is what I want right now. If you're in Colorado, and I, I'm saying all hands on deck here, you ready? Mm -hmm. And what I'm suggesting here is lawful, and I'm going to put out a disclaimer, too, on all of our behalfs. 
anybody that suggests in our chat room or anywhere around us. And I and I'm I mean zero, zero tolerance. Zero. You know why? Uh, because why? because we can't afford hand grenades. Okay. And there you know the guy that walked in the room and flipped a pen and went boom, right? Mm -hmm. That's the Crazy equivalent video. of what you're gonna do. Yeah. But you, even if you're thinking of running around shooting communists, you're gonna hold off on even thinking that. Or doing it, or you know what I mean? It's, that's just violent right wing rhetoric. We're not going to give them a freebie. That's not how we're going to get out of this. Mm -hmm. Few guarantees in life. This is what I'm going to guarantee you on this day. I'm going to lead a charge here. I'm going to assert on all of our behalf that we're a God centered, patriotic group of individuals that mean what's best for this country, and we're going to bring it. We're going to bring it. Rico they with another 20. They, they will not know. They will not know what has hit them because of what has just happened. It's going to give us the momentum that we need. And guess what? You could have waited a couple of years or wait till November. No, guess what? Um, they shot themselves in the foot. And we're going to exploit that. We are. And we're going to act swiftly. We're not waiting until, uh, as you see, you can't wait till November. Of Master 20. Oh, are you kidding me? Thank you. Really? I need so what's uh, happening today? First thing, uh, first Wednesday. things first. You ready? Everybody mash that rumble button because I need us to go out and capture the attention of as many people. We're going to build an army, right? What is an army, right? An army, a large group of people. Mm -hmm. We have, first of all, God centered intentions. You don't even need to be about Jesus or God or anything like that. But Nobody's going to be harmed by that. <laughs> so this is what I ask you to do. Yeah. Because us Jesus freaks like me are being persecuted. They want to come kill us. Okay. White Christian. Woof. Oh, my goodness. They really do. They, they want to kill us. Uh, they they want to double kill us. All right. Mm. A white Christian patriot. Triple kill us. Okay. So I ask you, if you're a non-Christian, you're middle of the rotor, I believe in a higher being. You know, then do me a favor. If you're a patriot, then please protect my right to, to be the, the, the best Christian that I can be, uh, to prepare for Armageddon. Mm -hmm. All right. Working for capital H, him. That's my first and foremost. So please help me because that, that's my main focus. My church is, is that open line between me and my God. And I'm calling out to him right now. Mm -hmm. And if you could help me support my efforts and protect it. Any U.S. government official, if you're tuned in right now and you're surveilling me, all right, you do not have probable cause at all. Mm -hmm. And if you think you do and you failed to let me know and you believe that somebody is around that wants to break the law and you're not going to tell me, that's a double whammy. Okay. Right. Number one, you're violating my constitutional rights to, to gather peaceably. And I'm going to suggest people peaceable. that we 50 bucks okay. stay strong in faith yeah. of our Lord Jesus. Yes. Thank you. You're going to, you're going to hear, you so you're going to hear a couple of presentations. All right. Mm -hmm. Right out of the gates. All right. First is going to be by me. We're going to do this. We're not waiting. As a matter of fact, they just preempted the whole freaking thing. Bill Tennis with $50 for commissary. Oh, <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> That's it. Put money on my books, please. Yeah. Oh, 
man. Just in case. No, no. no. Kidding, yeah. I, oh, I promise you, uh, Bill Tennis, you. Uh, Twenty dollars, another twenty bucks from mm -hmm. Rico. Look at this. What's up with you, Suave? Wow. Wow. The rise of the wow. retirees. Wow. Battle cry of the republic. Oh yeah, this is this is so uh, so. Deb Jordan. Yeah. Uh, while you're keeping an eye on that. I have to. I mean, um, I have to be thankful and bless these I, folks. I, I am mean, going to literally oh put goodness. up every single broadcast, every broadcast. Mm -hmm. If you are working, the, the days are over. Your little surveillance project is done. It's done. Your little FISA authorization, your spying, and your crap that you got going on at Fort Washington, Maryland. Uh, I will be broadcasting and presiding over the destruction of that building. Mm. Okay. I will be by, by proper authorities. All right. Uh, and this is how I'm, I, I, let me tell you proper authorities. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Joyce. $100. Don't leave me out of the fun. It's oh going to be fun. Gosh. Ryan, could you imagine if, oh my uh, goodness. Hey, it's kind of stressful if you think, oh my goodness, we got to shoot our way out of this. Right. Mm. Uh, that's stressful, isn't it? It is stressful. What if yeah. I showed up to work on December 20th of 2023 to say, A, guaranteed that we're going to win, okay? We're going to win in the following regard because here's our objective. Mm -hmm. If they want our country, our way of life, and our president, they got to go through us. Mm -hmm. That's it. At candlelight vigil style. Laszlo Tokes was the pastor in communist Romania that they all stood between the government, mm -hmm. all right? And, and, and their pastor, they stood in the gap. Time to stand in the gap, folks. And we're going to win. You know why? Because we're prepared to die. Meaning, they want to kill us. They do. They want to kill us and, in fact, have done that. They already killed 600,000 with COVID. They already killed Robert Lavoy Finnegum, you know, when it came to, you know, a bunch of people standing up for Western land rights and well, all that stuff. Let me say something. Was he bear? Let me say something. Fuzzy Thank you, was, was, was he. Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear with 10 bucks. First 50 caliber bullet for the yeah. seventh floor. Let's go. Oh boy. Listen, let me say something too. It wasn't just physically killing people, right? It's, it, I mean, that is part of it. But what they have done, Pete, is they have, they have the American they're murdering spirit. Our, they're murdering our country. Yes. The American they're, they're literally, spirit. This is this the soul is, this is of this country intentional is on its deathbed. Hold on a second. Intentional, premeditated mm -hmm. homicide of our country. Yes. Okay. That's the what American we have here. Spirit, the spirit of our country. Oh yeah. I mean. Oh yeah. People, they killed Kennedy. We could go through the whole list. Pete, right now, Pete, Pete are feeling mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed. Why? Because they know that if they protest what's happening right now they're mm. all going to be yeah well in guess what trouble we're gonna hit them here's the surprise attack you ready here's the surprise attack mm -hmm. they have no idea what's about to hit them and it will and they won't know how to contend with it kind of like the uh the communist romanians when they stood there in a candlelight vigil small group of them right mm -hmm. and they said why are you standing here with a candle and people were coming by in the public square and they're like we're done. We're finished. Rico with five. We're going to stand. My money is her money. We're going to stand in the gap. The communist Romanian <laughs> said, you, Rico. the communist Romanian said, we're going to stand in the gap. Okay. They're not getting our, that's it. We're done with them. Uh, Ceausescu is over the police. We're not afraid of them. Uh, the military, we're not afraid of them. They've threatened mm -hmm. to kill us. 
We're going to stand there anyway. And if they want our pastor and our way of life, they got to get past us. All right. And guess what? Our star what? with 50 our star, strong look at that. in the Lord and the power, power of, of his, his might. might. Amen. Amen. That's it. I mean, yeah, this really is what it's all that's about. What it's going to come down to where we are going to have to sooner or later. Look, everybody's talking this, about this is bigger so than a everybody, fight. Everybody's talking about civil war. And I just don't know mm. if the American people have it in them yet. Well, and, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, they don't have it in them. This is a very different kind of civil war. Well, I know that's I know. I know. But I'm just oh, saying, we've been in civil war. I, I know, but I'm just saying, if they have it on any level, I have yeah. it in them, we're going to find out mm -hmm. because they're really pushing this. What they did yesterday in Colorado mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's unbelievable. We're going to get to it. I know, but that's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. They want to take out Trump. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what they really want to take out is you the voter that's apparent Hold what on. was done to him was terrible but man what oh was no 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 what was done to them uh, now imagine if there's they one took... person in colorado that deb. wants to vote for donald trump one deb deb it's egregious deb look at now everybody listening to my voice right now make sure you click this and, and and i'm saying democrats too all right i'm going to be reaching out to democrats that's my little mission all right mm -hmm. i'm going to reach out to democrats here in ohio there's a unique situation Ohio is red, okay, because we cheated the Democrats out of their votes. And I know how they did it. And I also can show you the person that was to testify to it was mysteriously, you know, he, he died in a plane crash here in Ohio. Mm -hmm. So we have unique circumstances here in Ohio, but I'm going to deal with that. And I'm going to reach out to Democrats and they should be just as upset. They should be just as upset. Mm -hmm. now, now, here's the next thing. Imagine, okay, both Democrats and Republicans I'm speaking to right now. And you need to send this to your, your family members, okay? As a matter of fact, I'm going to record this. I'm going to give you a nice, clean clip that you can send. I'm not a radical by any means. Um, I want you to send this clip to your family members, especially the Democrat ones. Um, imagine that they took the full force of the government multiple times. They spied on his campaign. Mm -hmm. They destroyed his presidency. They impeached him multiple times. And, and then they created a scenario where, you know what? We're going to have to say this. Not everybody hearing my voice is going to believe what I'm about to say. But there's evidence that not even I've seen. There's stuff that's there that we haven't even had access to. That if you're with the FBI... And you're rolling an MRAP into any zip code right now. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to threaten you. You need to stand down. You need to say there's information that's potentially exculpatory. That this is a January 6th defendant that I'm going to go get. And I'm heavily armed. And I'm being mm -hmm. sent by my masters. And those masters have withheld information that could have prevented this entire thing. I'm not going to put my life in danger. I'm not going to put their life in danger. And I know that there's enough questions right now to say that this is an unlawful arrest. And that person even has a right if they're really smart, okay? If they're really smart, they know that that is an unlawful arrest and an American citizen has a right on their own. I'm not suggesting that they do or don't, okay? Mm -hmm. Either way, you have to make a decision on your own. I suggest you don't because you're going to die. 
you could resist arrest. You have a right to resist the arrest, uh, an unlawful arrest. Am I going to suggest you do? Contact an attorney. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, don't resist arrest. But you have a right. It's that serious. Okay? So if there's somebody out there that says, you know what? It is an unlawful arrest. I'm not going to let you freaking kidnap me. I'm going to stand my ground. It's my property. I'm going to protect my life, liberty, and property. There are going to pe be people that do that. Do not be offensive. Be on the defensive. Contact an attorney. But I'm putting, uh, let me put the notice to the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Um, there is going to be an effort starting today. You ready? Today. Every single sheriff's going to be contacted. Every sheriff will be contacted. And they're going to be given a, a director by, a directive by their constituents. All right? Mm -hmm. That you do not allow this foreign entity that is already, we have enough probable cause to believe that they've committed crimes. All right? Now, uh, we're not law enforcers. We're asking the sheriff to be the law enforcer. Do us a favor. We're going to put it before a grand jury. Okay? And it's not a kooky concept either. We believe crimes are being committed. You need to stop that FBI MRAP from rolling into your zip code. Are you prepared to do that? To, to save our country and to stop the criminals from doing what they're doing and affecting unlawful arrests. Do you guys want to join me in that spirit right now? We have 1,200 plus counties. We're going to be getting a count. 1,200 counties right now. Boots on the ground in 1,200 counties. Uh, by the end of the month, by the 30th of this month, we should have boots on the ground in every single county in 3,300 by the end of the month. That's what this is set off, okay? Um, the Tactical Civics Marathon, uh, and I want you to join and send people to it, all right? This is now absolutely positively a national security emergency. How do we get out of it? Exactly how we've been trying to outline in, ta in tactical civics. Mm. It has to be at the county level. We have to do this. Can't go shooting people. You can't go breaking the law. We're law-abiding citizenry. We're going to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no probable cause to be surveilled or infiltrated. If you're with the federal government and you insert yourself into a meeting or a group, okay, that should be constitutionally protected, if you do that, that's a deprivation of rights. We're going to take everybody's pictures. If you're working for the federal government, you will be brought before a grand jury and charged with deprivation of rights and held accountable. Every single federal agent. Now, if you have probable cause to believe that somebody is in that room, like at Chris Ann Hall's teaching the constitution, we had 10 FBI agents in that room because they had probable cause that bad people were in the room. Well, guess what? I didn't know that. And I'm so ticked off that if the FBI thinks that there's bad people in our uh, gathering, all right, even in the chat room, if you think there's a bad person in the chat room and you're not letting everybody know, who are you serving? You're going to let them do what they're going to do? You're going to let them make an unlawful statement? You're going to let them be a provocateur and get people killed? You're going to let that happen for the purposes of your investigation? Really? It's kind of like you know of a potential active shooter, right? And he's going to get up and grab his guns, and you're investigating. And he's got a manifesto. He's got all this stuff. You're tracking him. 
and he's going to go to the mall and shoot everyone. And you're investigating him because you want to save the country from domestic terrorism. And you don't notify the people in the freaking mall that they're about to get shot. Okay? Why would you not tell the people at the mall that you're investigating somebody that's going to come and shoot them? Why would you not do that? Why would you not tell the people at the World Trade Center in 1993 that they were about to get freaking blown up? And you knew it because you were the one that supplied the bomb. And by the way, what I just said is legally a fact. Legally a fact. This is how they operate. Any federal agent, DHS, anybody earning a, uh, a living, you're on the payroll and you infiltrate our group and you believe you have probable cause and you have not expressed that probable cause to the people that are most at risk. And that is my fellow Americans who are gathered peacefully in the name of Jesus Christ for the purposes of lawfully restoring our Constitution. If you don't notify them, you will be literally, we, we were literally having a conversation about where to put all of you. Where will you go? I mean, what sort of huge place are we going to have? Because there's so many of you criminals. You will be rounded up by proper authority. And it's going to happen. We the people are going to do it. Hmm. We are. It's going to be done legally. Now, is this some cockamamie conspiracy theory? There's already multiple states that have implemented the citizen grand jury. You guys know this, right? Mm -hmm. Does everybody know this? There's like 17 of them, right? No, 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 no. There's, I know for certain right now uh, that, um, hold on. I'm gonna name them off. Okay. Uh, states that have initiated citizen grand juries and it's really important that it's a citizen grand jury because the old mm -hmm. corrupt way of getting grand juries mm -hmm. is to have the prosecutor uh get a bunch of their cronies feed them freaking cookies keep them in the room and only tell them one side of the story mm -hmm. that's not a grand jury right a grand jury uh takes evidence from both sides you have a right to defend yourself when's the last time president trump had his attorneys go in and present a case in, de in his defense to a grand jury when oh. is that it's not allowed. Okay, then this is what we need to do. Of all of the indictments that have been brought forth in Georgia, right? And mm -hmm. uh, we don't have control over Washington, D.C., but we'll deal, we'll contend with that. Mm -hmm. Any grand jury that has been convened lopsided, okay, in violation of our God-given rights, our constitutional rights, uh, we need to bring charges against all of them, all right, for deprivation of rights, of President Trump's rights. Uh, and in the following states, now, ladies and gentlemen, all we need to do, all right, is to present. You're not a law enforcer. You're not going to go get a gun and go shoot people. That's not your job. You're an American. Your job is, A, to step up right now and, and join me in this spirit to do this peacefully. But it's going to get done fast. Uh, the following states. Kansas. New Mexico, North Dakota, Nebraska, Nevada, and Oklahoma. Nevada, Nevada, isn't that great? It is great. And Oklahoma. Actually. And Oklahoma. All have, it's the law, all right? If a group of petitioners get together and they fill out a petition, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to rely upon the, um, the Supreme Court. 
This is what we need in Colorado. ASAP, 911. 911 today, right away. I need everybody to get the word out right now. You're going to push the button. We need Colorado people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need a certain number of signatures, okay, on a petition immediately. You get petitions. Everybody get out there. We get petitions. If a petition, right, is put together to demand a grand jury investigation, that presentment is to a judge, all right? Do you know what the judge has to do? Guess what the judge has to do? What? He, he must. He must assemble a grand jury. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a citizen's grand jury. It's not going to be the crony grand jury. Uh, today, uh, I'm, I'm calling for right now in Colorado. Now, we can start adding to the list. Do you guys start listing what we need to investigate as far as crimes? Uh, hey, uh, uh, people the we, what state are you in right now? People the we. I'm just I'm picking on anybody. Somebody mention what state they're in in the um, chat room or locals. What state are you in? Utah, all right, says decon in locals. Texas, right? T- Texas has uh, too many problems, too many grand juries. Stand by. Hold on. <laughs> all right. You ready? Look and at Chip Missouri. Roy, Chip Roy huh? North Dakota. North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota has a citizen grand jury. All right. How many of you just right now, we'll just pick an issue, right? Let's say in your local community, you found out that Mrs. Jones, 62-year-old grandma, right? Mm-hmm. She died from remdesivir, okay? And there's prima facie evidence that everybody up and down the chain of command knew that they shouldn't have been issuing remdesivir, including the WHO's admonishment, don't use remdesivir. Mm-hmm. How many of you right now think that you can muster up enough people to go find a victim of dying of remdesivir that you can go to a judge, convene a grand jury, and then after that investigation, present uh, that to the sheriff for arrest warrants. Arrest warrants. You, right now, there's investigations going on. It's happening right now. Sheriffs that are getting involved in this uh, are conducting homicide investigations. But in a lot of states, the grand jury isn't even uh, activated because people don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say all hands on deck. So how many of you right now want to convene by signature? Presented to the judge, he must convene a citizen's grand jury that has the authority to investigate and bringing an indictment and then telling the sheriff who to go arrest. How many of you want to do this today? Today. Can we do it today? (laughs) Can we do it today? Well, I know what they can do today. I know what they can do. What I just said can be done today, Mm -hmm. right? Go ahead. Well, they can go to Tactical Civics if you want to give them Tell me. Hmm? and learn how. They have to learn how to do it, Pete. Most people, this well, is, well, that's there's the key a lot thing. of folks, this is the first time they're hearing about such things. Do, do right? not. This is what I want you to do, okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, this is, this is my commitment to you. Uh, when I signed up, there's a vetting process, right? And then there's a team of people that do your onboarding. And then they bring you through orientation. And they tell you, all right, you got to read this. You have to read this book. You got to read the Constitution. You need to read this book. You need to know or about. And then what are your goals, right? So I have mm-hmm. to go through orientation. I was mm-hmm. supposed to have done it yesterday. 
but I didn't, I didn't quote unquote have time. And then guess what happened? Time ran out mm-hmm. and president Trump was removed from the Colorado ballot. I was so upset. I was ready to move to Colorado and st- uh, start getting signatures for a grand jury mm-hmm. that upset. So today my commitment is I'm going through my orientation just like everybody else. So what I want you to do right now, um, a first step, click the rumble button. We need more people. I'm calling for all hands on deck in Colorado right now, all hands on deck citizens, folks, by the way, what have I suggested that's illegal? Nothing. Uh, did I suggest even a protest? No. Not, not even. Don't protest. We don't need to protest. Protesting. Take all of your energy right now and let's uh, become law enforcers. How about that? Mm. And the way we do it legally, you have the power. You get a bunch of petitions signed. You present it to a judge. The judge forms the grand jury. The jury investigates and issues indictments. The sheriff goes and affects the arrest. Mm. Okay. Uh, how many sheriffs would uh, deny uh, an arrest warrant, right, or an indictment presented to the judge, right, mm-hmm. for prosecution? How many sheriffs would, would deny following through on the will of the people doing that? How many? Maybe yours? Then we go to the next step. We get them removed. And by the way, for those of you that should ever be afraid of, and I want you to delete this from your soul, okay, just because you've been, uh, we've all been immersed in this leftist hijacking of our language. People, when they come to tactical civics, you know, they just don't know better, right? They're like, oh my goodness, the only thing I don't like is they say militia. Oh, okay. Well, check this out, right? Where's my constitution? Oh. Sorry, folks, you can't cherry pick, all right? I know there's scary words that are written in this thing, all right, in the Mm. Constitution. You you can try to pick and choose all you want. Uh, Nobody here, how many of you, I need a show of hands, how many of you have the authority to delete the word militia from our Constitution? How many of you? Anyone? Now, why did I do that on the air? Because if I did it in person or, or, or on the air, no hands are going to go up. Nobody has the authority to remove that word from our Constitution. So therefore, we're not going to be afraid of it. It doesn't mean because we're going to use the term militia that we're going to go shooting people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, they can't say, well, there's probable cause. We're going to send the FBI to surveil everybody because they said militia. You know, next thing you know, got the FBI trying to kidnap, uh, uh, what's her name? Gretchen frickin' Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, I got news for you. The FBI is surveilling you anyway. You know what, FBI? If you're surveilling me, I'm going to sue your frickin' balls off for deprivation of rights. You have zero probable cause because I have not suggested or even thought about anything illegal. I'm going to kick your ass the legal way. Watch. I've already done it. Twice, he spent $150 million to prosecute us okey-dokes and lost, okay? Uh, put your surveillance tools away and tune into the Pete Santilli Show. If you, as an individual, if I catch your name, I'm going to start publishing names of individuals that were involved in depriving the rights of all the Bundy defendants, which a judge 
has just said within the past couple of weeks that you guys got together and conspired for the purposes of provoking an armed confrontation. That's what your little probable cause surveillance does. That you're going to be held to account for. And I'm going to start putting names out there. In the form of the lawsuit, <laughs> you're going to be sued. And guess what the penalty is? Astorita was involved. Joseph Astorita, FBI, HRT team member, lied in the investigation as to what happened with the shooting of uh, Robert Lavoie Fenecum. Guess what the penalty is for deprivation of rights when death occurs? Guess what the penalty is? What is it? The death penalty. Mm. If you harm somebody, you get the equivalent. If you harm somebody, the penalty is higher. If you deprive us of our rights, I think it's like a five-year penalty and a $10,000 fine or something like that. I, mm. You know, it's less, but it's all, uh, uh, the severity of the penalty is based on what happens to the victim. You know, I lost 619 days of my life. That's pretty serious. It is. Right? Yeah. All right. So folks, go with me. I'm not going to back away from what we're, what we're about to do. I'm not going to back away. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to first ask you, right. I'm going to hold these truths to be self-evident. Meaning, what does that mean? Doesn't require any further discussion. I need you to punch the rumble button. Why? Uh, here's the message. I need anybody and everyone from Colorado. Colorado should be the biggest tactical civics chapter, right? Mm -hmm. Right now. If there's no person in Colorado right now that's uh, actively working uh, to convene a grand jury and have all these Supreme Court justices, we can have all of their communications taken. If there's any collusion with the media, the, you know, the powers that be, if they did anything in any way, shape, or form to deprive the votership of Colorado of their right to cast a vote, hmm. right? If there is, uh, then, then the grand jury needs to deal with that accordingly and present that to a judge and bring them uh, an indictment. It's legitimate. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm gonna say it's already being done in Kansas, New Mexico, North Dakota, Nebraska, Nevada, and Oklahoma. Now, we tried to get this off the ground in Burns, Oregon, and it was so powerful, guess what they did, Deb Jordan? Oh, they shut it down big time. And they sent 450 HRT team members there and mm -hmm. only shot Robert Lavoie Fenneken, but they wanted to slaughter everybody. Yeah, they did. It was that powerful. If you ever want to know why they sent so many agents, it wasn't just the Uranium One either. Mm -hmm. It was the Citizens Grand Jury and the Committees of Safety and the militia. Okay. Is there anybody afraid of the word militia? Okay. Then pass an amendment to have it deleted from the Constitution because you're afraid of it. Okay. Until then. We're going to use it just because some leftist says that it's a radical right wing concept. That's a Marxist tactic. If you're afraid to be using a word because the left has weaponized it against you, we need to change that. Okay. Uh, in Michigan, half of 84 counties have started a militia. I want 3,300 counties right now to form an organized, well-regulated well militia. It's going to interface with the sheriff. 
and the people, right? Every able-bodied citizen, uh, 18 years of age to 45 years of age, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can join the militia and is required actually to participate in some way, shape, or form, even in support of it. So citizens, militias, right? Even for, you know, be civic-minded. Idaho 3% is the perfect example. They have a relationship with the legislators. They got a relationship with the, with the sheriffs. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect example of what I'm referring to. But if there's anybody that is afraid of the word militia, we have declared a national state of emergency. So uh, I don't want anybody to act like a leftist, all right? and try to get it removed from our conversation. And I definitely don't want you to act like a victim of a leftist that you're scared to use it because the left has hijacked it. They call it that violent right-wing rhetoric. No, this is what we focus on. Uh, How many of you want to defend the U.S. Constitution? How many? And our constitutional republic? How many? Everybody, right? Well, guess what? There's a word in there that we have to protect. And that's the spirit in which I'm, I'm, I'm being emphatic. I'm not trying to force a militia on anybody. I want to just use the term. And we've got all of the right tools uh, for us to come together to get militias created, to get citizen grand juries done, uh, and to do so by the end of the month. Colorado, first and foremost. How many people from Colorado right now are tuned in? How many? Anyone? Hmm? Yeah, I know uh, somebody posted a little bit ago that's from Colorado. All right, Colorado, uh, Mm -hmm. this is what I want you to do, okay? Uh, Here's here's the goal here, and then I've got two very, very important messages and two very important broadcasts, uh, interviews. Messages from President Trump to the people you're going to you're going to hear from here. You guys want to hear a message from President Trump? It's pretty powerful. You ready? Mm-hmm. One of the individuals, he had a private conversation with their family members. Caressa Diaz mm. is from Colorado. Who is it? Caressa? Yeah, Caressa Diaz. Okay, Caressa, here's the deal. This is what I want you to do. Let me get myself situated here. Uh, and everybody else can follow along, but I especially need help. With getting the word out on this right here, uh, I will be one of the masters of ceremony on on the thirtieth. Okay, in Colorado, we need to take action even quicker than that. And then I want a success story SBHMI broadcast on the thirtieth. Also from Colorado. What? Who is it? SBMI. SBMI. SBHMI. SBHMI. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this, uh, on this December 20th, uh, we, we are hereby declaring, we're not going to a break. We're going to go to an interview and play it all the way through. All right. Uh, this, this December 20th of 2023, all right. 1220, 23. Um, can we, uh, all those in favor of declaring a national security emergency, say aye. Got it? Aye. All right. 
It's a national security emergency. We've put the uh, federal goons on notice. Doesn't matter what your surveillance tools are. If you are, are surveilling us in violation of our constitutional rights, we haven't had any due process. And if you believe that there's somebody that's going to do harm to our country and our fellow countrymen, and you're Nikki, not telling us. Nikki from Colorado, thank you. If you're not warning the public at large that's potentially victimized and you want to take it upon yourself to lord over everybody and say, we're going to protect the American public. You're not protecting them by not telling them that there's bad people lurking among us because we are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ, peaceably assembling, all right? Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, gathering together in the name of, peace of, uh, uh, of Jesus Christ is a double whammy, all right? You better protect my, my religious rights and don't interfere with that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Saturday, December 30th, we're gonna do a live marathon and we're gonna fill, the objective is to fill, get boots on the ground in 3,300 counties. 18 hours we're broadcasting, starting at 8 a.m. Eastern, and it's called the Tactical Civics Marathon. What you need to do is text TCM, all right? You're going to receive further information um, by doing that. You'll get a reminder. Now, you're not going to get spammed, all right? Uh, but you will get reminders and periodic texts. We can't afford to send out too many texts because they're expensive. TCM to 844 837-5132, a national security emergency has been declared on this December 20th, 2023. Now let's get to the good stuff. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restate, and Deb, we don't have to, I'm not taking traditional breaks. Okay. Because we're declaring a national security emergency. Oh. And how do we contend with it? Peaceably. We're gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody's breaking the law. And if, now, that's the majority of us, correct? Mm -hmm. If you're working for a three-letter agency, so help me God, you're going to be swinging by your balls, mm -hmm. okay? When we get a hold of you through proper authority for violating our constitutional rights, I'm asserting it right now, you violate the constitutional rights of any person that's with us right now. If you come in, we have zero tolerance. Anybody suggests unlawful activity? Anybody suggests breaking the law in any way, shape, or form, you're gone. Poof. You're mm -hmm. gone. Go back to the FBI field office. Mm -hmm. All right? So we're self-policing. Now, if the FBI knows hey, that there's... Can you take me off the camera for a minute? Oh, my God. Sorry. Okay. Yep. Okay. There you go. Go ahead. Keep going. You're off the camera. What are we doing? Hello? Somebody knocking at the door? Oh, okay, good. Okay, fantastic. We got a good situation. So uh, everyone let, uh, let our, the, the feds that are in our threads, feds in the threads, uh, feds in the threads, um, everybody push that thumbs up button if you want to crush and, and have hung, okay? And I mean swinging by a freaking white uh, rope like uh, Rico Suave says, by proper authority. How many of you want to have these traitorous bastards uh, swinging from a rope for treason against our country? We have feds here, somebody says? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? They just re-upped the FISA warrant. The FBI had a thousand online covert investigators. They're lurking among us. They're working on the payroll. How many of you want to break the law? They don't even have probable cause, but they're surveilling you right now. 
They're taking screenshots. Any feds, we got feds in the threads, okay? Tell them to get lost. And when we find out who you are, uh, you're going to be held accountable. Feds are here in the chat. Liberals blow. Feds here in the chat? Surely not. Liberals blow, right? Okay, let me get this right. Stop all over our rights, and yet we continue to play by the book. Yeah, of course, Ung. Yeah, why? What would you suggest? Yeah, stop on our rights, and we play by the book. Are, are you suggesting Unk? Unk is a uh, moderator, is he not? Is Unk uh, our moderator in Rumble? Okay, Unk, here's the deal. Uh, go with me here. President Trump has always said, we don't break the law against the lawbreakers. We don't. We have the law with us, and that's, guess what it's called? It's called tactical civics. All right? Text 844-837-5132. Um, if you went and shot one of them, it wouldn't be as impactful as potentially rounding up millions of them. Okay? How would you like to do that, Ong? What would you rather have? Would you rather have fire discipline, save your bullets, okay? Mean business, but use a mechanism, which is the law. And it's so powerful, that's why they want to destroy us. To round up hundreds of thousands of these bastards. And we're going to try to figure out where to put them all. All right? We're going to figure it out. But it's going to get done. It's going to get done by proper authority. And you're going to learn how. Uh, text TCM to 844-837-5132. Uh, I'm paying for the constitutions. Get on our text alert. Uh, I'm going to send the constitution. constitutions. As soon as you said a national security emergency, screen went black. Probably. Yeah, probably. Now, you're going to listen to the message that President Trump gave uh, this family, Rachel Powell's family. You guys ready to go? I'm going to let it play through. I'm not going to let it play the entire interview. I can't do that because Pastor Daryl Scott is going to come on and he's going to tell you what President Trump said to him. Those two messages are coming in today's episode. Let's stay God-centered. Let's stay faithful. Let's make sure that you get on that reminder list. We're going to bring, if, if you're already a member of Tactical Civics, get on that text alert so that you can forward that to your friends and family members. We need all hands on deck. How many of you think that we should have boots on the ground in 3,300 counties? Say so in the threads. Tell me. 3,300. Here we go, folks. You ready? This is a beautiful soul named Rachel Powell. Here she is. I'm excited to announce that we're having our biggest Christmas sale ever. You get our brand new six-piece My Towels for only $29.98. Or rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper as low as $99.99. Or how about MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98? There's something for everyone. Duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. Well, I know MyPillow products make for the perfect 
holiday Christmas gifts. So I'm going to extend my money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024. So go to MyPillow.com now or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get huge discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you get our six-piece towels for only $29.98 or get your very own MyPillow bed sheets for as low as $24.98. It's our biggest Christmas sale ever. Get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the interview you're about to hear um, is, is a great one. I want you to listen all the way through, uh, please. It's, a, it's the first time I've spoken with, um, with Rachel Powell. We concluded, we had a great conversation. Um, you know, she's had a, a bad day today, uh, uh, or rightfully so, and you'll find out in the interview, um, you know, what, what is happening to her and her family. And we had a, a nice conversation. Um, I thought it was, and then she mentioned something to me. Uh, and I said, well, what did you just tell me? And she said, one thing uh, positive that came out of this is that my, uh, my sons had an opportunity. I'm going to let her say this. And then I want you to listen to the entire interview because she's, uh, she's a single mom. Rachel, I want you to tell everybody what happened after we get off the air. And I said, I want to put this back on recording. Tell everybody what you just told me. Okay. So um, Trump said he told my sons he's going to pardon me. He's going to, he's going to help us if he gets in. Um, my 12-year-old son, he, he told him about me, and, and Trump signed this hat. I hope you guys can see it. It says, Rachel, we love you, and then there's Trump's signature here. You can see it's a new hat. Um, they met him at a fundraiser that Patriot Freedom Project put out in, in New Jersey at Trump's golf course there and he really just encouraged my children and this didn't happen just once but they met him twice there and um actually here's there's a picture of my my 12 year old nick with a book here that trump signed for him so he my kid had this book and uh got it signed at that event and this same child is the one um that had Trump sign this hat for me. And, you know, he didn't say, Trump, write my mom's name on there and say, we love you. You know, Trump decided to write this on his own. And here's a picture of, I love this picture. Um, that's Trump wow. with several small children. The ones on this side here, these are three of my boys. And, um, I mean, look, look how excited he is here. Look at that cute little face. But uh, it's been very encouraging to my family and to my boys, knowing that if Trump gets in, there is hope for us and that he does care. I know some, there's been some questions out there. People have thought, well, why hasn't Trump done anything? He's trying. He's indicted, too. And I really believe him. And out of all of the politicians that could speak to me, or could talk to me personally, or could come visit me. None of them have, not even one. But Trump, during his indictments, has taken the time, not once, but twice, to encourage those children. Took them into a private room with his bodyguard and um, work hard. It's going to be okay. Um, and that's really carried us through. It, it means something to us. And you know what? It means something to everyone uh, and other January 6th patriots. Um, it means uh, it means a lot. And that's why I wanted to 
to go on the right. That didn't come out in our interview because, you know, just because uh, it's, it's, it's hope and, and it's speculation and speculative. Uh, but guess what? We have uh, a reason uh, to like the guy as to what he's doing because he's not on the evening news doing that. He did it in private. Those are his yes. true, pure intentions, right? He didn't do it in front of the cameras. He didn't do it in front of the, the fake news. He did it privately with your kids right now that are feeling the pain of what's been done to your family. And that's an uplifting thing. And I appreciate you coming back on. Uh, everyone, make sure that you listen to this entire interview. It's worth it. And share it with uh, fellow January 6th uh, family members and, and patriots. Thank you. God bless you, Rachel. Bless you, too. My next guest, Rachel Powell, is a Pennsylvania single mother of eight, a grandmother of six children, uh, and she also became known as the Pink Hat Lady after she was filmed pro protesting election fraud at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, 2021. Rachel is a hardworking, taxpaying American citizen with no criminal record, uh, now an American political prisoner, uh, criminalizing her love of our country, along with a, a bunch of other people, uh, including those that didn't go. They, we all love our country, but we're therefore uh, guilty by association of being terrorist, as our political opponents would call us. Uh, but she was sentenced, listen to this, um, and I laugh in your face for doing this. And if you're a judge and you're tuned in, uh, we will get the last laugh with you. But even still, 51 months in prison on October 17, 2023, on top of a, on top of a nearly three-year sentence of strict house arrest. Now, Rachel joins me right now, uh, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let her know. I'm probably just as belligerent as she is, because I understand she's a, she's a firecracker. She loves her country. Uh, she refused to plead out because it was full of lies. And that is a good God-centered approach to not signing their paperwork, because it's all full of lies. Isn't it, Rachel? Absolutely, it's full of lies. Mm -hmm. So you, you decided, uh, well, you know, can I, can I come around to the gates? So uh, with prayer, uh, hope, uh, and perseverance, and I think uh, luck isn't even a thing. Our, our political adversaries are a disaster. The Biden wrecking ball, not the administration, will set in course what I think will happen. At, uh, on January 20th of 2025, at 12.02, a whole bunch of people are going to be walking out the door. So I want you to keep prayerful of that. My prayers are with everybody on that. It needs to be done. This needs to be over. But even still, uh, can you imagine that the full force of the government came after you? And now you can talk about what you did or didn't do, right? Did you go into the Capitol? Where were you? What did you do? Um, how did you do it? And by the way, I always say this about Dominic Pozzola, uh, you deep staters better thank your lucky stars that all he did as a United States Marine was break your window. You better thank your lucky stars for that. And if I knew then what I know now, 
I wouldn't have brought a bunch of women on January 6th. We didn't intend to insurrect, okay? So a couple of broken windows, you better count your, count your lucky stars. But anyways, tell us what, what happened. Well, I was on the violent side of the building. Um, if you hear people on the west side, that's where I was. I was there at the very beginning because we couldn't hear Trump speak. And so um, we just went up to the Capitol to see people roll in. I've been to other protests in D.C., so this isn't anything unusual to go up around the Capitol building. But what was different is when we got there this time, the police just opened fire on us. And... Um, it was extremely, it was extremely violent. And from the beginning, um, I've never tried to hide my actions. I've been completely honest that I did end up breaking a window. The, the reality is when, um, when the protesters were met with violence, it got violent on that side. And um, I didn't go there with an intention of breaking a window. I went there with an intention of being at a peaceful protest, and I believe that everybody else did as well. And um, that's the real kicker, because the way that I've been treated is the way that I would be treated if they didn't steal an election, and I went to the Capitol to destroy and break stuff on purpose. Um, but that's not the reality. We went there as peaceful protesters, and now um, what? If if I was a terrible criminal with a with a background being a criminal um with my actions of breaking a window i should maybe get six months but instead they are giving me 51 months and they tried to consider me a they tried to they argued for me to be considered a terrorist which would have given me more than um what the prosecution was asking for which was eight years by the way they want to give a mother with no criminal history that didn't go there with an evil intention eight years and label me as a terrorist for the rest of my life. Um, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and it's infuriating. And um, well, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it, it, it doesn't look good for America's future if we stay on this road. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, by the way, I'm not trying to provoke a response from you. I'm, I'm adding commentary because I've done a lot of interviews, as you can imagine. I don't want to talk about my story, but they practice with a smaller group. Same things, same methodology, same level of entrapment, okay? So when I mention something, just apply your own style and personality to it, whatever you've been saying. So don't let me provoke you to say something, you know, above and beyond, because it doesn't need uh, to happen. But I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions. You said you went there. Uh, to a peaceful protest and I had a I had a suspicion I didn't have sound evidence that the election was stolen and nobody was investigating this thing and I was hoping that on that day they would say Oop, we're gonna push the pause button and we're gonna do an investigation that's what I wanted that's all I wanted it's all I wanted just investigate President Trump as the commander-in-chief had a duty so we were all there to support President Trump. He was calling for an investigation. He believed that there were enough anomalies that warranted that. And all of his actions were exactly that, to ask for the investigation. While at the same time, he said, we're going to have a peaceful transition of power. If it can happen before the 20th, we need to let it happen before the 20th. 
but we're still going to keep fighting for the truth, right? So what were your intentions when you went there on that day? Was it similar to mine? Absolutely. You know, all I wanted to hear was, we're looking into this, you know, um, we hear you, we know that there are abnormalities, we recognize there are problems with our voting system right now. Um, but we never heard that. All we got is, this is the fairest election ever in history. That's all we got told again and again and again, right? We get told, it's like they make us out like we're crazy for pointing out the, the fraud that we saw all around us. And I'm from Pennsylvania, which as everybody knows is a state that we saw it in. We saw election, I mean, Everybody I know went to bed that night thinking Trump didn't just win. He won by a landslide. And then I wake up in the morning and I get a phone call. Biden won. And it was so confusing. I mean, even the person that I know that has studied uh, political science for years, who's older than I am, who stayed with every single presidential election all, all the way through the evening, even he went to bed that night, turned the TV off and was like, Trump won. Um, and it's frustrating because there's no reason that if it was the fairest, freest election in our history, that they can't stop and discuss the facts. And um, so they're telling us it was the fairest, freest election, because come on, we all know it's not. And not only was it not the fairest, freest election, it, it was a crap election. The reality is there's been voter fraud for years. You know, you go back to 2016 or before, and what did the Democrats cry about? Oh, it was, there's been voter problems. There's, there's problems. They're stealing the election. And um, to be completely honest, before the last election, for a few elections before that, I didn't vote. And I know that that's not what most conservatives want to hear. But the reality is, I've known for a long time that there is problems with our voting system. They put us, they, they have us use electronic voting machines and they're not secure. They're not secure. And I don't understand as an American why we have to beg for a free and right and accurate, protected election. I don't understand what the problem is because our whole country, everything that we do is based on the voting system. And so why is it so hard to have a good one? Because this is America, right? We shouldn't, we just shouldn't be here. The way that it is today. No, did you? Uh, no, here. Uh, let me uh, let me throw out a couple of uh, statistics you may not be aware of. Um, did you know that in 2020? Okay, how many how many people, like as a percentage of our population, since 1900, how many people do you think go and vote as a percentage of the voting population? How many? Um, I don't know. I don't know the percentage. I just know it's not as yes. much as it should be. It's like 50%, you know, it should yeah. be more than that. But on average, about 50%. But 2020, 66% showed up to vote, right? So 66% of the total number of voters that went to vote, a mil at least a million and a half people were there. You and I know this, million and a half people. So many people that made it to DC. Okay. So of the 80 million people that voted, right? 1.5 million of them, greater than one out of every eight of those actual voters, showed up and said, You just ripped off our country. We got questions. Push the pause button. Let's investigate. Pence right. has the power to do it. 
That's why we did it. That's a huge number. That is like the will of the people. If you have one out of every eight voters showing up at your front doorstep, you better be listening. And they didn't. So now let's get to the point where you, you're at the Capitol. I, I have video I was looking at this morning in preparation for, for our visit uh, today. Just, just having flashbacks. I'm looking at the crowd. I immediately made commentary immediately right afterwards i said what we just saw was a failure by law enforcement they didn't have enough law enforcement and they were literally firing projectiles at the crowd there were women and children in the crowd and and that's exactly what you don't do to a very emotional crowd you don't do that um were you warned you are in a restricted area you must leave now or you're going to be arrested were you warned um okay so in my trial when they finally gave me my discovery, which, by the way, took over two years, and this, the discovery is your evidence against you. But during my trial, they showed video where you could hear a speaker or some kind of projector saying that. But the reality is in that crowd, I never heard that. I never heard any speaker. Um, and I was at the very front of the barricades. Not once did a police officer say, you can't be here. We're going to arrest you. And honestly, that's what I expected because I'm on a public sidewalk. So if they don't like the protesters being there, then they can arrest us, put us in jail overnight. It's D.C. There's protests there all the time. It's not unusual to throw somebody in jail overnight and you let them out the next day. Yeah. That never happened. It never happened at all. The only time a police officer said anything to me is when I was in the tunnel briefly where Roseanne Boylan died. And it was very tight and it was very violent and I was trapped in there. And a police officer said, you can't be in here. And I said, I know I can't be in here. I, I can't get out. And that was that was it. He didn't say, um, go behind me, crawl under my legs, anything. It was just like, I was trapped there. He knew it. And uh, other than that, there was no um how did you end up if you don't mind there was no friendly police interaction there was the police yeah. shooting us standing on public sidewalks there was police hitting me with a baton just for standing on a public sidewalk grabbing me throwing me you know what they don't have video of is me grabbing a police officer because i wasn't there the the reality is conservative people are back the blue people we're not there to fight them we're there to stand on a public sidewalk and just have our voices be heard. Like, yeah. you know, you stole an election. Give us some answers. Right. If you didn't steal it, prove it. Right. Uh, what, what, uh, uh, now, now I can ask you this. There's a lot of people that, you know, it's difficult to ask that question because their cases were like midstream. So you can't, you know, you can't say too much, but you, you, you've received a conviction. Um, what caused you to go towards that tunnel? How did you end up going into that tunnel? Well, it doesn't really, Looking back, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know why I didn't just sit down like Martin Luther King would have, you know, and just sat there. Um, probably because I was in pain for hours and probably because I wasn't thinking rationally. I went up on the balcony after the police left the area. And when we were up in the balcony, there was a tunnel there and just went, just people just kind of flowed to the tunnel. There's no rational explanation for that. Right. And um, somebody broke a, a door inside of the tunnel where the police were right on the other side. And then the, the protesters and the police collided together into that, in that tunnel. Well, most of you know that Roseanne Boylan died. Victoria White got beaten in that tunnel. Um, 
And so I, I, I don't have a rational explanation. Um, and I actually, I, I went under a psychological evaluation just to get a perspective, you know, why did I do what I do? And, um, I guess what's for some people when they're met with violence, they, instead of fleeing, they stand and fight. And I'm one of those people that stays. Well, let's put it this way. If, um, because we're back to blowers, right? So we're there. We, we would prefer to be there when you get a cart and and those crowd surges, by the way, uh, are unstoppable. Did you know that? Like, I don't know if you're, if you're of the age, the, the who, uh, concert in Cincinnati, that's where I'm at. Uh, that was an epic case where the, the, once the crowd goes in a certain direction, you can't even use steel barricades. You literally would have to have them in the ground, you know, like twice as deep to hold it. And you might be able to hold it. But the crowd surges when a crowd decides to go in a certain direction. There's no stopping it. It, it, it has very powerful force. So it sounds like you got caught up in that surge in a certain direction. Uh, and, and if you're a bunch of bag of bluers and you're met with, um, uh, I would say excessive force, uh, can we call it excessive force? Were you, did, were you observing excessive force on the part of the police? I wasn't observing it. I was experiencing it. Oh. There's a huge difference. My whole body was in pain the whole time. If there was the, the guy beside me, he had a hole in his face. Um, you were by that guy. Okay. Yeah, Joshua Black, I think is his name. Hmm. Um, you know, you shouldn't, especially as a woman, you shouldn't be beat with a baton by a police officer. You shouldn't be thrown around by a police officer. It's unexpected. And there's all these irritants and they're throwing these things out into the crowd. And I know they're not bombs, but you know, when they're going off near you, they kind of feel like it. You know, they're yeah. they're loud and gas comes out, you can't breathe. Um and I saw so many people, I saw people falling from being hit by the projectiles, which in that temperature, it's not a rubber bullet at that point. It's like a rock. It's like a hard stone yeah. that they're shooting at you, that they shouldn't be shooting at you because you're peaceful. And you witness, I, I witnessed so many grown men around me begging the police officers, please don't do this. We love you. Um, like begging the police officers to stop, but the police officers didn't stop. All they did was get worse and get worse. And it, it was a terrible experience. I'll tell you, that was an absolutely terrible so experience. What, why would they beat you? Why would they do that to you? Were they like giving orders and people were not complying with the orders? I never heard any police officer give an order to me or to anybody around me. Other than, like I said, in that hallway where the police said, you can't be in here. Other than that, um, it wasn't like a police officer grabbing me. You better get out of here. We're going to arrest you all. That did not happen at all. And and they knew at that point, and I think that police officer, if he says, it can't be in here. And you're like, I got a hundred thousand people behind me. There's, there's no, you know, there's no turning back. People are naturally, naturally going to gravitate in an area that has less resistance, period. So, um, and then you make it look good by saying, okay, yeah, we're going to go into the, go into the Capitol. Um, now, at what point did you, um, you, you broke, you broke a window. Do you remember that, that feeling you were outraged by what was going on? Um, yeah, I was outraged because I just saw Roseanne Boylan die, um, you know, literally at my feet. I was at the tunnel when the police, they 
they pushed or some, something happened. I've heard speculation, uh, or I should say, it's speculation on my end what actually happened in the tunnel because at that moment I wasn't in the tunnel. Being outside the tunnel, it looked like the police were just pushing people and maybe somebody fell and they started to pile up. But I've heard that other people have said the police released some kind of chemical irritant which caused people to flee. Maybe they couldn't breathe. And so they started trampling each other. I don't know which one is true. All I know is I saw a pile of people and I heard a woman crying for help. She's saying, help me, help me. And the crowd is yelling at the police to stop. And there, so she's in front of me. The, the pile of people is in front of me. The crowd is behind me. They start chanting, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So the police would hear and realize what's going on. Like they're killing people. And instead of the police listening, they just pushed more people or whatever they were doing to drive the people out. And so we start unpiling bodies off of this pile of people. And by the time we get to the bottom, there's Roseanne Boylan dead. And beside her is another man, which I thought was dead too. Turns out he lived. I think his name is Philip Anderson. And, um, and I looked at her and I don't have any experience with, um, dead people you know i don't have uh, any kind of military background and uh for the first time in my life i'm staring at this woman thinking i could do cpr on her right because i've taken cpr classes but if i stay here where this woman is literally dead at my feet they're going to come out of that hallway and they're going to kill me too that 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 was my reality in that moment i don't know why i didn't think like i need to run away and go home i didn't think that there was no I think there was no logical thought process other than I either need to give her CPR or I need to go do something else. And so the reality is I went and I did something else rather than stay there and let them kill me. And um, I went over and I broke a window. And um, by the way, which something that, that was used to break the window was not something I brought with me. It was not in my backpack. It's not something that I asked for. It's something that was passed to me through the crowd. It was put into my hand and I used it to, not against a human, but to take the window pane out of that window. And do you know that they use that as a reason to give me a deadly weapons charge? Um, and it didn't stay with me. I didn't take the tool into the building even. It was in my hands for probably less than a minute. And because of that moment, I'm going into what's basically a, a medium security federal prison. Um, and that, that in itself is, is ridiculous. You know, a deadly weapon should be used against a human or have intent. And um, so anyhow, uh, that is what I did. I, I broke a window and uh, a lot of people, they don't want to discuss that. It, it's like an elephant in the room because the reality is there are conservative people out there that have done things like that. That's property destruction. I did that. But in the context of what was happening, is that a reason that I should have to spend 51 months in prison? Is that a reason that I should have been locked into this house where I can't even go out into this yard for the last three years. And that three years doesn't mean anything. And then when I come out of prison, there's whatever happens with probation or whatever it is afterwards. You know, should I have to sell my home to pay legal bills? Should my children be motherless? Should I not just be able to pay for that window? You know, or I hate to point it out, but 
maybe the government should just shut, suck it up and pay for that window because they stole an election. They stole an election and they beat they beat good people. They beat good, hardworking people for showing up and being good citizens. And now they're, we're political prisoners and they're not just prosecuting us. The reality is they're persecuting us. And also the reality is that later on, when I maybe when I go through appeals or maybe sometime later in my court hearing, interviews like this will probably be used against me. The day before my sentencing, I was on Steve Bannon for maybe five minutes of that. And all I said was, I don't understand why I'm going to prison for what should be a misdemeanor. And in my sentencing hearing the next day, they use that against me. Like, if you speak out and you have a voice, you know, you, you're not saying, let's go kill people. I have a plan. You're just speaking what your truth is. That is a sin under this administration, and they will come after you for it. And it's like they're killing free speech, and we're letting them. We're letting them. We're watching Netflix every single day when we come home from work, eating our snacks and living leisurely while our country is going to crap and people like me are going to prison. And... um People need to do something. I just don't know what's going to happen. You think about this next year with this next election, what's changed to prevent them from stealing another election? And what will happen if we get four more years of somebody like Biden? That's scary. And people, I don't know what, what your viewers' place are. If they're, hopefully they're busy, but if they're not, hopefully they'll hear this and they'll say, where can I go work? What can I do? Because we all need to be busy. We just, we need to be we need to all find a place and work to save our country because there's no other country that's as good as ours and we just need to save it and we're about to lose it. That's, that's how I feel. They can put me in jail for this. It's scary time for our country. It is. Um, you sound strong and uh, righteously uh, emotional. So through this experience, that, that, that they come to you early on and say, all right, we'll give you a slap on the wrist, just plead out. We just needed to sign this paperwork saying you hate Trump. What, what did they say? No. They came to me with a plea deal at the end of the first year without giving me my evidence, by the way. It's not like, go over your evidence. This is what we have against you. No, they gave me a plea deal, which would have put me in jail for four years. And I would have had to sign my paper, my name to a paper that had lies in it. Um, I'm not guilty of the obstruction of justice charge. And that's what they wanted me to sign, saying that I'm guilty of that. And I wouldn't sign my name to that. And um, it was that was the only plea deal that they ever gave me. In fact, they even told me when I was coming up to my trial, um, if I decided to plead guilty to any of my charges, they would still take me to trial for that obstruction of justice charge, which I don't know if you if you understand that charge or not, but that's the one that the Supreme Court decided to take up and they'll be making a decision on this year, probably in June. Yes. And it's, it's a it's a felony charge that can put a person in prison for up to 20 years. And um, it's, a, it's a felony that's never been used against protesters. It's something that if I bribed a jury or if I took documents and I shredded them, so the court couldn't get a hold of them for their judicial hearing, then I would be guilty of the 1512 obstruction of justice charge. 
Um, and so what we have here is if they can use that charge now against protesters and, and we don't fight that, then they can use that charge on protesters in the future. And that should be scary, not just to people who are Republicans, but to people who are Democrats, because we can't just make pretend these 20-year felonies can be used against protesters. Otherwise, not only have we lost our right to free speech, but you might as well kiss protesting goodbye because they're just going to throw you on prison for years like they are me. You know, um, so that that obstruction of a an official uh, proceeding uh, comes with a heavy charge. And when when it was originally designed, it was for a completely different thing that would, than what they're applying. They're just plugging it in. Uh, who, what was the name of your judge? I have Judge Lamberth. Yeah, Judge Lamberth, huh? Yes, he's a harsh sentencer. He's been in the court for a long time. He was the chief chief justice for a while. And um, I was really surprised. You know what his first because, name is? Uh, Judge Royce Lamberth. I was really surprised because I know historically he's made some good decisions. Um, but as I've been told, uh, he gave me the bottom of my guidelines, mm. which is scary because that means he could have given me more. He could have given the prosecution what they wanted, which was eight years plus some more. And he didn't. But that's still a really harsh sentence. Um, I feel like other judges, most other judges wouldn't have been that harsh on me, but they still would have been pretty harsh because the DC judges have just, um, they've been very <clears throat> harsh on the January 6th people. And um, we can't change our venues. It's not like we can say, well, I'm from Pennsylvania. Can we move my trial someplace where I have a, a judge that's not going to be biased because they're not from that town or we have a jury that's not biased. We couldn't move our venues. And if you go to the court of appeals, that's also a DC district court. And so our hands are really tied there. And um, it'd be pretty interesting for people just to pay attention to what some of the judges have said and what some of the judges have done because they're openly, um, I shouldn't say all of them. Some of them are often openly being very biased and showing it in the courtroom with people. Judge Royce Lamberth was involved in uh, a lot of very high profile cases. I'm very disappointed. I didn't know Lamberth was your judge uh, because he's a patriot. And I know this because of a previous case. Hey, you've heard good things about him, haven't you? Yeah. He was a Republican from Texas. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a pretty straight shooting guy. And there's a case that's still uh, in the courts that's exposing some whistleblower that came forward to expose the Obama administration spying on Americans. And he helped kind of see that through. So that's very disappointing. All right, now, you ready? Come on, let's snap out of this for a second, America. Uh, we have to get President Trump in. This is political, so we need to respond with an equal uh, now an overwhelming political force we got to get president trump in we have to we have to pray like crazy that he gets in uh, for the sake of our nation and all the january 6th defendants are going to be free period they're, they are they're gonna they're gonna have to be um because president trump knows what it is even if you you did uh, 
Where, where was the window that you were breaking, by the way? Was it inside the tunnel? It was right beside the tunnel. There's no windows. There's some glass doors inside that tunnel. But the tunnel was actually, they call it the tunnel, but it's really just a long hallway. And um, it's solid on the inside. But beside it, on each side, there's a large window. Yeah. Was it, uh, was it like, a, uh, like a yellow frame, gold frame window there? There were, there were a couple people that were, were you swinging pretty hard? Well, I wouldn't say swinging pretty hard. It's not that hard to take out a window pane. Mm. Um, I saw a couple of people in a video that were, they were doing that. I was wondering if that was you. Were there, did you have somebody else beside you that was doing that too? Well, there were a couple people. At first, there was a cardboard tube that was used to try to break the window. And I don't know all of whose hands were on that, but there was several people's hands on that. But it was just a cardboard tube. And so in the news, you'll see that they called it a battering ram. Mm. Like, Rachel Powell brought a battering ram to Washington, D.C. to the insurrection. But the reality is somebody picked up a cardboard tube somewhere and people used it to try to break the window. And when that didn't work, somebody handed me what they call an ice axe. And um, it's not that hard to make us a little hole and just take a window frame out. I've been up against these tyrants before, uh, and I won't tell you in what capacity. I don't know if you know about my background. This isn't about me, though. Uh, I've been in a federal court, grabbed the microphone, and a whole bunch of us said resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And we got our messaging in. We made our point. It was peaceful. It was exercising our freedoms of speech. Uh, we were being railroaded. Did you ever get an opportunity to let your voice be heard about the injustice against you? No, in fact, um, at my verdict, I had a minute to talk to my judge, but I was so emotional because I had just been convicted of three felonies and six misdemeanors, mm. and the whole courtroom is full of my my children and grandchildren behind me, uh, and I could hear them weeping. I could hear my children crying in the courtroom. Oh my goodness! And, um, I just couldn't speak. I I tried, and all that would come out was tears, and so. I didn't get a chance to speak to my judge that day. And then um, at my sentencing, I did. And his comment was, you should have said this or something like, um, you're finally saying all of the right things. But the reality is I never had the opportunity to speak to him or anybody else in the court openly about it. Because if um, I, I did not put myself on the witness stand. I was advised against that, which was probably good advice. Um, and, you know, when else are you going to have a chance to talk to the judge? But you, you just, you just don't as a defendant, you sit in the court and lawyers go back and forth and uh, the judge sits there and, and listens. But as a defendant, I just, I feel like I never really had a chance to show him my side. And I think, um, an honest judge would feel different because I think if he really heard me and, and openly wanted to know what happened that day, he would think this woman didn't go there to be an insurrectionist. She went there because she's an honest person who loves her country. And um, the reality is that a protest got out of control and she did something that she wouldn't normally do. And, um, Gosh, I hate to say it, but for the way that they're treating us, 
we should have gone there with evil intentions, but we didn't. And that's what's so outrageous about all of this is, um, uh, I guess there's so many things that are outrageous, like to go through a court system that's unaffordable and it's impossible to navigate and it's bias. And there's a reason that prosecution wins as many cases as they do. It's because it's impossible to fight. I mean, like if I would have taken a jury trial and um, they punish you for that. I don't know if, if your viewers know that, but you get sentencing, what's called sentencing guidelines. And if they consider you somebody that's fighting and fighting would be going to your jury trial, um, they hold that against you. And so when you're convicted, which almost all people are in federal court, they have like a 98% conviction rate or some crazy high rate like that. Um, they punish you for that and you get stuck in prison longer. And so a lot of people don't fight. That's why you see so many people taking plea deals is because they just need to get their life back. They can't afford to fight it. Um, and it's terrifying and they don't want to go to prison. And so when you read in the, in, in a newspaper somewhere in some article, how many defendants from January 6 have taken plea deals and, or have just pled guilty. The reason is, they probably don't think they're guilty of anything. They probably really think they're innocent. Their souls are probably seared from signing this paperwork, but this system is impossible to fight and it's impossible to navigate and it's been set up against us. It is. I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. Uh, I don't normally like to do this in an interview. I want to get to know you, you know, to speak to it. And of course, you know, we've got, you know, the appropriate video. I mean, I have unbelievable video footage. I want you to take a look at this right here. Um, I just had this, uh, it was just an interesting thing I've always had in the archives. Um, see that? does look familiar to me and as far as i know nobody's ever been charged or convicted of anything to do with that same window where yeah. i was at yeah yeah that's right now uh ladies and gentlemen um you know and, and i was further back we were coming we were like one of the, the last people to arrive there we saw that the, the, the tear gas the girls were going to the porta potties when everybody left the the ellipse so that's why we were last we we're waiting for the girls and then we looked down but that sound that you just heard uh, is the sound of a million and a half upset, you know, screaming people. And it sounds 100 times louder than that. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, there was more people there than I've ever seen before in any one place in my yeah. whole life. It was more people showed up than I could have ever imagined. And you would have to... You'd have to be there to experience it. You know, you could look out, out from the top of the Capitol and it was a sea of people covering all of the grass 
like go down the roads. Like as far as you could see, there were people. But before this happened, and it was, it was, it seemed like minutes before that, was it not the most patriotic event you've ever been to? You know, there is, um, I went to a lot of protests during COVID because our state was just tyrannical. They locked us all down. And so as soon as they said, you can work, you can't work, we're going to pretend like there's a wall, you have to wear a mask. I started going to protest because that's outrageous. Um, and there is a feeling to being at a protest. It's usually, except for this time, it was a, they're always happy festival like feelings you go and you meet other like-minded people and there's people that come in silly costumes and you go and you network and um you just do what's right just by letting your voice be heard and that's how it was this day even though it was bitter cold there was people along the street playing music and um it was a great feeling standing around other patriots and it would have it, it should have been a beautiful time and a sad moment in our country, but beautiful because so many people came together on that day because they loved their country. Yeah, they did. Uh, it was a patriotic uh, event, folks. That's that's the way I describe it. Um, what day now are you supposed to? Well, first of all, who was your attorney? I've had a few attorneys. Um, if I say my current one's name now, he'll probably give me an angry text because he doesn't like me to talk about him on social media. So, well, um, well tell, tell your attorney uh, that it's public, uh, publicly available information. Anyway, he's on the docket. His name is on the docket, correct? He is. If people wanted to look it up, they could. They could. Yeah. So you can't mention his name? Oh, out of respect, I think that I should just leave him out of it. Oh, that's okay. That, no, that's fine. That's good. Uh, do you, do you like uh, his performance? Well, I think that he's very good on the obstruction charge, mm. and he really knows his stuff about that charge, which is why I chose him. Um, I was actually really worried about uh, going into trial with the attorneys that I had had because that obstruction of justice charge was my major felony. And so Cynthia at the Patriot Freedom Project, she helped me find him. And, um, boy, with us coming up into these appeals at the Supreme Court, I, I think that um, we owe some thanks to people like my lawyer for being willing to fight that charge for us, for all of America, really, not just January 6th people. It means something for everybody that never plans on going to a protest again. So he's, uh, so he's in the fight. Um for uh, for that one heavy charge so uh you're going to be appealing correct yes and everybody's waiting on word on the supreme court's ruling on that particular charge correct correct and that probably won't be decided until june yeah. and the reason for that is it just takes time in the legal process you know this side gets 45 days that side gets 45 days 30 days 30 days oral arguments and that puts us into june you know, I'm going to do something else special because it, it may give you, because you've seen a lot of stuff out there, a lot of evidence, right? You've seen a lot of testimony. Have you ever heard anything smoking gun? Like you knew of somebody that rigged the machines. You ever heard that? Uh, help me out. Have you ever heard like of all the stuff that you heard? Well, yeah, the ballot stuffing, 2000 mules. 
you've seen bits and pieces, but have you ever heard smoking gun testimony where somebody says, I designed the software that rigs the machines? Have you ever heard that? Well, there is a documentary out there called Kill Chain sure. that was written by a guy that is very good technology-wise, like, like 12 years old. He was um, hacking computers, and there are lots of hackers sure. that have no problem saying how terrible um, right. this electronic voting system is. It's yeah. not... It's not that hard to find the evidence out I'm gonna, there. I'm going to do this for you. You're the first January 6th page. I mean, you've got a conviction. You've got a family. I want you to have a sense of hope. And I want you to know that, uh, that everything that I've heard you say that you did, okay, I want to thank you for your service to our country. I want to thank you. You know, you're, you're a mama bear, uh, not just for your children, for, you know, the circumstances that you were in. Uh, your conduct was absolutely appropriate. Uh, it's kind of like Rosie the River, Riveter. You know, she 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 got in where she fit in, right? Uh, at a time when uh, when the country needed her. So I'm going to play this. I want you to listen to this, right? I'm going to have to just play an excerpt of it, but listen to it closely. His name is Clinton Curtis, and he's a Democrat. <laughs> Mr. Curtis, would you please state your full name for the record? My name is Clinton Eugene Curtis. And where do you reside? Tallahassee, Florida. And what is your profession? I'm a computer programmer. Would you please speak into the microphone so the audience can hear your testimony? I'm a computer programmer. Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that to be the case? Because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for President Congressman Tom Feeney at the company I work for in Oviedo, Florida that did just that. And when you say did, did just that, it would rig an election? It would flip the vote 51-49 to whoever you wanted it to go to and whichever race you wanted to win. And would that program that you designed be something that elections officials that might be on county boards of elections could detect? They never see it. Mr. Would you answer that question once again? They would never see it. So how would such a, such a program, a secret program that uh, fixes the election, how could it be detected? You would have to view it either in the source code or you'd have to have a receipt and then count the hard paper against the actual vote total. We'll see it. All right, Mr. Curtis, uh, if you had been asked, you or others with your professional expertise have been asked to design a protective program to, that would protect the Ohio elections from against, against such software to fix the election, could you have done so? If we've been asked to make a program that can fix the election, sure, anybody can do it. No, could you have designed a program or a procedure or a protocol that would have protected Ohio against this kind of rigging? No, you have to look at the source code. You have to get probably programmers from both or all parties to look at the source code and determine if there's anything in there that shouldn't be there. All right, now I'm going to tell you this. He's one of three people that are whistleblowers. One was out of Venezuela. He died in, mysteriously in a plane crash. The other one in Ohio worked for the Bushes rigging elections and the uh, couple days before he was scheduled to testify, mysteriously died in a plane crash. 
And Clinton Curtis is that third person that worked and gave sworn testimony to congressional that Jerry Nadler's there. Um, this is sworn testimony. There is forensic evidence that our election system, that everything we suspected on January 6th, that you went to D.C. and you suspected it and you were upset and you felt that it was rigged. We now have sworn testimony and proof of exactly how it gets done. So I want to tell you that what you suspected, what you had in your gut was absolutely spot on. I have verifiable forensic proof that they rigged the elections. And did they do it uh, in 2020? Absolutely. I'm absolutely certain I've seen the evidence of it. So you stand tall. And I, I know it's tough. You, gotta, you, you have a family. I mean, look, you couldn't even you know, say what you wanted to say because you were responsive to what your children, uh, your children were, were crying in the courtroom. But you know what? Um, they're going to be so proud of their mom's stance. You have a family, I take it, that's rallying your kids. You're going to be okay. I, my, you know what? My kids are really strong, and um, I'm a firm believer that we're put here on this earth for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think it wasn't just my purpose to be one of those people at the Capitol that day, but it's I was given a family that was strong enough to endure this with me. And all the stuff I ever told them about our government all the stuff I ever told them, you know what? They've seen it all unfold firsthand. Mm -hmm. They know that I'm telling them the truth. Right. And so the only thing that this process is going to do is strengthen my children. And it's going to strengthen everything that I ever taught them and everything that I ever told them. And um, so as hard as this is, uh, it's been a good experience for my family. You know, I'm not one of those families that my children have come to hate me through this. If anything, they love me more. And um, also, I, I just want to give a shout out to anybody out there that's a homeschooler and that talks to their kids openly, because I think that's a huge reason why, you know, my children, we've always been together and I've taught them as well as I could. And um, they don't have the system indoctrinating them from the time that they can walk. And I think that's huge, you know. Another thing that we need to do to take our country back is to start teaching our children and stop letting the government raise our children and indoctrinate them. You know, that's why you see children turning against their, their family and their parents if they don't have a relationship with them. And so um, if you're considering homeschooling, especially with all the craziness in the schools right now, you should do it because even though I'm in the situation I'm in, I, I still think it's probably one of the best things I ever did for my children. That's beautifully said. Um, to maintain your stance, okay, uh, with your children. You let them know this isn't about like government, you know, overreaction and overreach. It isn't. You rose up, they put you down. You rose up righteously, appropriately, as every single American should if something like that is to happen. Well, I was shocked that it did. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't want you to chime in on it. I just want to say just to, because I'm, I'm the most listened to talk show host by the three-letter agencies. Uh, I feel like I got cheated, okay? Because, you know, I mean, I went there with the same spirit that you and I did. We had different circumstances. You broke a window. You know, I didn't break a window. I observed things. But even still, we're all called insurrectionists for questioning it. And I feel cheated. I mean, I got accused of insurrecting. And I just, my only regret is that we didn't. 
And like knowing now what we know, if we were going to take like an insurrection accusation, then dang, man, we missed that out. We got cheated of that opportunity. If we knew just how bad things were, uh, but you can't go back in time. So you can't, they're not going to convict me on, you know, retrospect and something that can't happen. You can't go back in time. But that's my point. If we wanted to insurrect, to overthrow a government, conspire to do it's the silliest freaking thought ever. Being American and a loud group of Americans uh, is not insurrection. It's patriotic. I consider you to be a patriot. I do. I consider you to be a patriot. Stay strong. How can we support you? How can people follow your case? I'm sorry that I didn't have you on uh, prior. Just, just so many people I've been trying to. I mean, there's there's thousands now, right? I mean, uh, upwards of uh, what, fifteen hundred, two thousand uh, now. There is, and there's more to come. I think that the system is just clogged up, and so they're slowing stuff down for a little bit, but they're not done arresting people. How do you know? By that? any means. How do you know that? Well, the Department of Justice hasn't said they are. They just get more funding, mm. right, to arrest more people. So yeah. it's not over. I mean, I've met people in the in the past year that have been arrested over the summer, you know, with the same kind of raids, them raiding the house and um, coming with, they're not tanks, but they're these big military looking vehicles and, you know, just making a whole spectacle out of it and putting the, uh, you know, guns on people, including I, children. Yeah, I consider it uh, with the amount of information that's been withheld from even law enforcement officers. Uh, I want to appeal to them. Uh, you should stand down. It's an unlawful arrest. I mean, with all the information that they've been withholding just in videos. I mean, look at the defendants weren't even allowed to take a look at their discovery. Uh, you're affecting arrests uh, unlawfully. And, and, you know, somebody may take it upon themselves and resist because you as a citizen, uh, and this is up to you, you have to make that determination. I don't suggest you do because you'll lose, but uh, citizens have a right uh, to, to, to resist an unlawful arrest. So police officers need to think about that. There's no reason for you to put your life in danger or, you know, get, you know, get a knock on the knee or something like that. And just for what? Because somebody broke a window? Yeah, come on, seriously. Because somebody went into the rotunda? It's ridiculous. So st stand down, stand down. They should value the future more than they value their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they're, they're so country loving and they got their jobs because they want to do the right thing, they need to start doing the right thing. And sometimes the right thing is saying no, and they're not doing that. Instead, they're just continually arresting people. And um, I hate to say it, but it's part of the problem. If you're a person that works for the government and you're arresting people, you know you shouldn't just because you want to keep your job or your pension. That's exactly right. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're complicit. What about our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren? Yeah, depri you know, depriving. Why, why, throw, why throw that away for a job, mm -hmm. for a paycheck? Yeah. It, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, we also have a right to even be civilly disobedient, you know. Uh, we have a right to do that. And you're going to be held accountable. I mean, if I'm going to be civilly disobedient, then I do a sit-down and, you know, they got to carry me away and they call it, okay, consider it, you know, resisting arrest. Uh, I have a right to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll take the, take the penalty. It's worth it. Um, 
We have a right to do that. And and you need to stop 51 months in jail for breaking a window just to prove your point is disgusting. Disgusting. You're part of a disgusting, filthy coup d'etat upon the United States of America. Rachel, we'll stay in contact with you. Tell everybody, you have social media. How are we going to be able to get updates uh, from you? And when are you scheduled to report? Okay, so I have a website. It's rachelpowell.org. And my name is the simple spelling of Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L-P-O-W-E-L-L.org. That's going to be maintained while I'm incarcerated. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on uh, some platforms like Facebook. I'll never go back to those places. If they want to censor us, you're not going to find me there. And um, my turn-in date is February 9th. I'm supposed to be in West Virginia in Hazleton by 2 p.m. that day. But if you, um, you know, go to my website and that should stay updated or find me on Twitter. And, um, but I won't be there for long, but I'm sure somebody will be taking care of my Twitter account for me. I don't know how that's going to look. So probably the best thing is just to watch on my website. Okay. And, um, you know, Judge Lamberth, I'm very disappointed. I've heard so many good things about you, but shame on you for being involved in taking a mother away from her children. Uh, did you harm any human beings? No. My family, if you want to count that, because that one day destroyed our whole life. So, so sad. Um, are you appealing? Uh, are you appealing for uh, surrendering, like staying out pending appeal? You have an appeal in the works, right? I do. Um, and it's debatable what the the right decision is for that. I think I'm going to try to file a motion to at least delay my surrender date a few months. Um, there's a lot to wrap up when you have a family and you have minor children. And um, with all everything that's happening with the appeal, uh, the reality is that the Supreme Court probably wouldn't have taken it up if they weren't going to side with us because they could have just said, we're not going to hear this. And they didn't say that. Instead, they're going to hear it. And so we have a good chance of them overturning that. And when that happens, people like me will be resentenced. So why should I start serving a prison sentence when it could be at least my major felony overturned? And then um, you're looking at five years being dropped down to one year if they want to throw the book at me. And then, um, of course, that's going to clog up the system more as well because all these people that have had that obstruction charge been found guilty of it, they'll all have to be resentenced as well. And so um, it would make sense to leave me out of jail a little bit longer while we see what's happening with that. But I, I don't know. I just got my turn in date. And so everything is, um, there's a lot to consider and a lot to figure out. So I, I don't have all the answers to how I'm going to handle it. I just know that right now for sure, my turn in date is February 9th and Hopefully a miracle, or did I say February 9th, January 9th, and um, hopefully something will happen soon to free us, hopefully. I've heard good things about Nick Smith. Um, he is, he's filed an appeal. Uh, my message to Nick Smith, just keep you know, doing good things and don't ask your client to not mention your name that's plastered all over the internet. That's 
you know, that's like suppression of free speech. I mean, why would you do that? Nick Smith's a good guy. So keep being a good guy and stop putting unreasonable demands upon your client to not mention your name when, in fact, the entire Internet is mentioning it. But I wish him luck on the appeal. Uh, he's filed a notice of appeal. Um, I, I think he's going to do a good job for you as he has up to this point. Um, I commend him for, I tell you what, uh, it's not a good thing to be an attorney on a January 6th case. That right there is commendable in and of itself. So, Rachel, we're going to stay um, connected to you. Uh, we're also going to get your name on the Patriot Mail Project because when you go on the other side, you want to stay connected. You're not going to, you'll have limited access to the outside world, but uh, getting letters from patriots, like-minded individuals, is a powerful thing. Um, it happened to me when I was a political prisoner, and I want to make sure that Patriot Mail Project has you high on their list, okay? Um, Merry Christmas to you. We'll stay in touch. God bless you. Stay strong, okay? It's good things, I'm telling you. No matter, I know it's painful, uh, but on the other side of it, trust me, you'll look back, and uh, the, the pain is nothing compared to the glory of the win on the other side of it. You'll, we'll have it. I know we will. All right. I love your positive attitude. Thank you for that. I'm living proof of it. I faced four life sentences wow. for protesting, you know, and being a journalist and not breaking the law. They made it all up and we caught them. And, and just, it's a terrible feeling. Never thought I'd see the daylight. I had to do a lot of praying. And I said, Lord, if you let me out, you bring a miracle. I'm going to give you all the glory. That's what I do. It was, you know, by him. I'm living proof that it was a terrible feeling back then. But you walk out the door now, even lately, we're, 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 everything we suspected they did, we found it out. They've been exposed. Uh, and your kids will be so proud on the other side of this thing. So stay strong, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, bye now. Thank you very much. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on one second, 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 second. I could not stop. The I was going to actually play like 10, 15 minutes. And I know you guys um, are happy that I let it play all the way through. Is She's such a beautiful soul. Well, I have to say this. First mm -hmm. of all, she doesn't look like there's any possible way she could have eight children, let alone oh, what a, beautiful a, a soul. bunch of grandchildren. Okay. Beautiful soul, isn't but, she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, she, she just, she has, um, she's accepted her fate. And she hasn't given up hope about, you know, maybe something will happen. Mm. But she's accepted her fate. And now she's looking already toward, you know, what am I going to do with this? And that's what I would suggest everybody, everybody do is like, you know, people who are uh, going to be arrested, mm. people who are, people who yeah. are getting ready to turn themselves in. You have mm. to be like Owen Schroyer and this young lady. Okay. You ready? Mm. You ready? So check this out. The next message uh, was spoken to my next guest. He's a pastor. You've seen mm -hmm. him out there on Real America's Voice. He's mm -hmm. friends with President Trump. Very and good. President Trump, President Trump. President Trump told him something that you're about to hear. Okay. Mm -hmm. That will blow you away. But before we go to that, 
let me let me share something with you, okay? Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, I consider him to be a friend. I hate doing that. I hate sinking my hooks, you know, into big name people, but it's true. Uh, I've become through this whole COVID experience at a time when nobody knew the name Dr. Peter McCullough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with him in the trenches. He was educating me. Uh, we were putting him on blast. I think we were his first interview. I, I, I'm pretty sure first, oh, I can definitely say first independent media interview because we were calling Alex Jones's producers and saying, hey, talk to Dr. Peter McCullough. Yeah, and, right. And at the same time, he was on sure. like Laura Ingram, you know, mm-hmm. talking about the COVID thing. So yeah. we, we were the first independent media. and. And, and then he started bragging about our show because everybody was so starved for information. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was telling um, uh, others who shall remain nameless because he actually works in their studios. They have a big studio in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he has actually said to them, Pete Santilli is the guy in the Midwest because, you know, I get telephone calls and emails and it's quite a few. And I get hate mail when I go on Laura Ingram. <laughs> so... Uh, here yeah. he is, Dr. Peter McCollum. Come back. I'm going to tell you about something special about what he's done here. Okay. L- listen up. Listen closely. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Take it away. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, Chief Scientific Officer of the Wellness Company. And I want everyone to go to twc.health forward slash Pete, like my first name, Pete. Uh, but this is actually for Pete Santilli. And I can tell you, it's very important that you pick up a COVID kit, which is the wellness company's offering. So you're prepared, giving you all the drugs to manage all the variants of COVID, including a budesonide nebulized device, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, all the necessary medications. Never get burned again with a case of COVID-19. Can't get a hold of the doctor or the pharmacist, won't prescribe the medications. And then to be extra prepared, get a family kit the wellness company emergency kit, that's the blue kit. That has a complete formulary to defend you against anything that comes down the line, including the Chinese pneumonia, bladder infection, bronchitis, yeast infection, anthrax. You'll be fully covered, a full uh, formulary for you to have at home. And any questions on this, the kits include a, um, a telemedicine consultation and a home guide so you know what you're doing with the drugs. You're gonna take control of your own destiny uh, twc.health forward slash Pete, the COVID kit and the emergency medical kit offered by the wellness company. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. See you soon. Okay. Uh, and Great. it kind of figures. Um, I was just about to put um, something on the screen, and that is a product that was formulated by Dr. Peter McCullough. Mm-hmm. And that's the spike support. Um, and if you guys don't know about the spike support, okay, uh, you need to, you need to listen up. Um, there's people that are experiencing myocarditis, blood clots, Mm -hmm. turbo cancers, menstrual irregularities, miscarriages, and now of course the died suddenly phenomenon. Uh, and if you haven't heard about all those things and you think it's a conspiracy theory, then you're not paying attention, okay? Um, the culprit is spike protein. Spike protein, you know, it's that lingering threat from both the vaccine mm-hmm. and the, uh, the bioweapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's linked to all kinds of long-term 
health issues, and even Pfizer's now admitting uh, there are problems. Um, so many people, especially Deb and I, right, mm-hmm. are looking for answers and ways to stay healthy despite these spike proteins that are part of our population now. Um, we actually had a friend of ours that was helping us out with some tasks. Um, you remember Peaches? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I went and got the vaccine. She got me all boosted. And we're like, don't come near us. We were concerned about, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the shedding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we know those answers uh, are not going to come from the mainstream sources. And that's why we're so, you know, concerned about ourselves. We learn right in front of you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, we bring truth-seeking doctors on like Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, I'm getting Dr. Drew Pinsky on. Uh, and uh, other members of their team at the wellness company. Mm-hmm. Um, they're here to provide answers and hope. I've done an interview. If you haven't seen it, go check it out because he dropped the bomb. Uh, but there's one question these doctors uh, are asked every single day. And so or, uh, uh, now it's less frequent. But a lot of people ask us, you know, how do I detox a uh, detox from the vaccine? And COVID, our family members had had to get, you know, boosters because they didn't want to give up a, you know, a 20 year military career. Right. Right. Or they had to get the vax. Right. Uh, but thanks to the wellness company, uh, there's actually something we can do. Right. Spike support. It's a unique blend of natural ingredients aiming to solve and block spike protein in your body so you can get back to the pre-COVID feeling and stop waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? So go to their website, go to twc.health forward slash Pete. Um, let me see if that came through. I hope it did. I want to show you guys. Uh, we have a special page and that didn't come through. Some ball, ball, ball. I won't do that. Okay, we'll fix that. Um, TWC. Uh, dot health forward slash Pete. All right. Get your kits, but get your spike protein. Uh, his brother, Dr. Peter McCullough, if you didn't see the interview, you need to go see it. It's over at Bandot Video. He talks about his brother. <laughs> and, he, and you guys, uh, even if you didn't get vaxxed and if you've been exposed to the spike proteins, mm-hmm. believe it or not, you've been exposed to the bioweapon. Right. That's shedding. You've been exposed to the bioweapon. He said, How do you reverse that? He actually put his brother on it. It took him about four months, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get back to normal. Uh, but he had, his brother had the best, you know, uh, cardiologist on the face of the planet. And this is how Spike support came about. This formulation here. All right. Mm-hmm. So go. Go take a look at it. Customers are now reporting mental clarity, energy levels, among other things, where they got whether they got poked or not. Okay. Mm-hmm. So go to TWC, that's the wellness company, TWC.health forward slash Pete. Use uh, uh, promo code Pete, right? Use it for 10% off at checkout. And if you have the means to do it, um, you know, Deb Jordan, do you remember we were scrambling for quercetin? <laughs> how, how many, how many jars of stuff we were, were we collecting? For everything. How long did it take us to build up our supplies? And there was no such thing. 
yeah. as formulated products like we have now. How yeah. long did it take us? Oh God, months. Months. It was because, months. Because you have to, you know why? Because none of this stuff was on the shelves. I mean, yeah, quercetin was being pulled, right? Yeah, we had to order it, and they said it was out of stock, but they were pulling it off the shelves mm -hmm. um, because they didn't want you to have, you know, uh, ways even, to take care of things vitamin without. C. You, yeah, you vitamin C. You get vitamin C in our local okay stores. It was horrifying. All right, uh, so TWC dot health forward slash peak at 10% off. And if you have the means to do it, you need to do the following. Uh, get your, uh, get the blue one, which is for your bug out bag. When the supply chain dries up, you've got enough product prescribed by a doctor in that thing. You've got penicillin, you've got everything, just about everything you need for your, your medical needs. And when stuff runs out, you have it in your bug out bag, you can take care of your family. Then very, very important that when the election variant comes, and it will, it's on its way, they shut down China, so on and so forth, they start doing all that goofy crap. Well, guess what? If you get COVID, Deb Jordan, I'm going to have you answer this question. Okay. When's the most important time once you start thinking you've got COVID coming on to actually take care of COVID? When? Immediately. Right. If you don't have you Do not COVID wait. If you don't Do have not. the COVID kit on hand, mm -hmm. it's not going to be immediately. And then mm -hmm. next thing, you know, you know, you're three or four days into it. What happens three or four days into COVID, Deb Jordan? You get very, very sick. You're laid out. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If you have this kit at home, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, yeah. budesonide, boom, it's over. You I don't kill even, it. I don't even... Uh, test anymore the minute i start feeling like i'm getting a, a cold or a flu ivermectin i just start taking ivermectin yeah <laughs> and, and also take a look at yeah, uh, that's all you can dr do. mccullough's uh interview i did with him guess what he said one of the most powerful things what's that povidone iodine mm. and a mild solution into your nasal cavity yep. the back of your throat and mm -hmm. he's also said believe it or not listerine you gargle Kill the back of your throat, get rid of it in your That's nasal in passages. Kid, by the way. And he said, do not let it settle at all. Mm -hmm. Kill it uh, with the solution that he offered. Well, okay. let me tell you guys something. When we were putting, when, when we were scrambling because we were very sick mm. uh, and we were scram scrambling, trying to get everything together, um, I know people are looking at it and saying, oh my gosh, this kit is so pricey. Actually, it's priceless because- Who said it's pricey? Well, it is, it is pricey, but there's a reason. I mean, it's got every- Oh, you, you get the doctor. It's got, I mean, it's got everything that you need in it. You got the here's You got the, the thing. Nebu the nebulizer's what, 60 bucks? Yeah, here's the thing. Yeah. It's, try putting a kit like that together. First of all, finding a doctor who will do it is, a challenge. A challenge. But by the way, try, you can find a doctor. Paid, we paid triple for some of the stuff. Yeah. That's in that was in our, I mean triple. We spent way over what they're charging for this kit. Just on just on mm -hmm. I mean what, Pete? Uh we couldn't get any drugs. 
whatsoever. No. We could not get ivermectin. We could not get antibiotics. And guess what we had early on? We had, because we had doctors. I mean, we know Dr. Stella Emanuel. It, it, cost, right? me, it cost me over $200 just to go to a doctor to tell me to go home and wait. Do you remember? We can, We know Dr. Stella Emanuel. We met her in person. Yes. Uh, and then we started recommending her early on, right? When she didn't have the infrastructure she has now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a wait. There was a wait. So don't wait. The, the, this is the, the, the issue. Um, get the kit. Have it on hand. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to lose. You'll have mm-hmm. it on hand. All right. Now, here's uh, where we're going to go. You ready? A message was given to this pastor. And here he is. Pastor Daryl Scott. You're going to love this interview. He's great. Right here. I'm a big fan. Okay. Yeah. Right here. Right here. here. Says something a long time ago. I never forgot. He looked at the group of creatures in the room and he said, while I was off building buildings, and this is quoted straight from him. He said, while I was off building buildings, you guys were pursuing a higher call. He said, I think it's time for me to catch up. He views what he's doing as a calling. Wow. It's, it's more than just another job in different. He didn't need it. He didn't need it for fame. He didn't need it for money. He didn't need it for notoriety. He didn't need it for power. Uh, you see, he, he looks at it as a calling. And I never forgot that he said that. He said, uh, well, you guys were pursuing a higher calling. And in doing that, he was saying that what we were doing as preachers was higher was a higher college. He said, y'all were pursuing a higher calling. I was out building buildings. He said, now it's time for me to catch up. That's powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dr. Pastor Daryl C. Scott, he's, you know, I, I call him pastor for very good reasons that we'll have a discussion about right now. He's an American pastor, a member of President Donald J. Trump's executive transition team. Um, he's the founder of the New Spirit Revival Center in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, right here uh, in my neck of the woods, as they say, in, uh, in Ohio. I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, he's the founder and board member of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump and also the author of nothing to lose unlikely allies in the struggle for a better black america a book detailing his activities with president trump from 2015 to 2020 and of course uh, even to this day he's serving our our nation and uh, our presidency and his daily advocacy as you'll hear about but dr scott is a prolific conference speaker successful businessman a humanitarian and has been commissioned to quote turn this nation back to the Lord and lead God's people to their promised inheritance. And sir, it's been a little while. We met in person out there in Oklahoma. I left a lasting impression when I when I met uh, you and your lovely bride, Belinda. But uh, it's great to see you electronica, uh, electronically, at least. Welcome to the Pete Santilli Show. Hey man, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, sir, it's uh, it's great to it's great to have you. You know, before we came on, um, a very quick comment, and we both agreed it's an exciting time, uh, and a lot of fe- a lot of people are feeling a sense of anxiety. Things are very different than what we expected for our country. Uh, we we can of course center um, the blame per se as to why things are happening. And I'm gonna say this, 
Uh, and I'm a relatively new Christian, by the way. It wasn't until about, you know, I was grew up Roman Catholic. It wasn't to the point to where I became saved by confessing my sins through uh, confessing my sins uh, on my knees, repenting, becoming born again uh, until I was about 50. But uh, prior to that, it wasn't that I was less godly, but I believe that I made the right steps. I understood his will. I believe that our nation, everything it's suffering from is because we've come away from from God. And, and, and we can even say that politically we've come away from God and therefore our politics has had a detrimental impact in our country. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, it's been a steady erosion over the decades. Um, I've been a Christian now for uh, 42 years. Hmm. And we saw a progressive decline in the morals and the attitude of this nation over those last several years. It began, I believe, well, it didn't begin, but it um, accelerated with the emphasis on secular humanism in the late 80s and in the mid 90s and this uh, escalated till now where we see a total erosion in the morality of a great deal of America mm -hmm. and we're calling right wrong we're calling wrong right things that were once detestable and abhorrent uh, are now being applauded and paraded in America and it's it's detestable man and you know there's a difference there's a lot of things that we have to tolerate you know, whenever you're going to be in a society, especially a republic such as ours, and you're with all different types of people, and we have uh, civil rights and civil freedoms, and we don't try to impress our standards upon others, um, there are things you're going to have to tolerate. But what they're doing now is trying to make us accept what we tolerate. I can tolerate something without accepting it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to force us into accepting things that are intolerable uh, for those of us that are of a certain spiritual persuasion. And that's where we're at in America today. They're trying to make us accept a lot of things that are unacceptable. You see this stuff going on out here. You saw they had a bunch of trannies and, and, and drag shows and stuff up at the White House, people parading around there half naked, things like that that were unacceptable. They're trying to make us accept. We're tolerated, but we don't accept. Yeah, and tolerance to me as well, uh, because uh, because I know what it's going to take. That if you're living a sinful life and you're doing things that are, you know, when I express my opinion about what I know about what the Bible, you know, requires us to, you know, for us to be fruitful, to multiply, a man and a woman. What is a woman? What is a man? It's very clearly defined. I know where it is. But am I going to be? violent towards those that may be i have friends and family members that have been you know they're homosexual and whatever but we i tolerate i tolerate it knowing that they have to come by their free will to accept what the lord would expect of them so i'm, I'm not going to be violent towards them but i'm not going to keep my mouth shut and accept it that it's not natural it's not what god intended and it's okay for me to express that isn't it you're absolutely right. You know, homosexuality, people ask me what my thoughts are on it. I say it's a sexual preference. Because if you take the sexual aspect out of it, mm. then that's the only thing that distinguishes one from another. The fact that it's a certain sexual preference that they have. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not going to beat somebody over the head about their sexual preference. Mm. But you're not going to force your sexual preference 
to be something that I prefer either or my children. It's something that you need to, if that's, what, if that's how you want to get down, going to get down like that, but you will ultimately have to uh, answer for that as well as many other sins. You know, they, they asked me one time, somebody asked me, well, do you think homosexuality is a sin? And I said, yes. yes. I said, but there are a lot of things that I think are a sin. And so, you know, I, I think that certain things, I think getting drunk, drinking alcohol is a sin. I think smoking cigarettes is a sin. That's what I believe is a sin. Now, the difference is this. You're not going to force me into accepting the alcoholism or the drunk. And it's not going to force me into accepting drug use. You're not going to force me into accepting homosexuality either. I think it's a sin. I think it's an abomination in the eyes of God. And it's something that well, we'll see in the end. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the transgender movement, you mentioned the transgender movement, uh, you know, the way I see it, and it is very, very clear. I mean, we were born a certain way, and even they acknowledge that, that they were born a certain way. Uh, otherwise, if they didn't acknowledge that, they wouldn't want to be changing it. But I, there's something demonic about that. I mean, that's a, that is a, a manipulation of what God created and intended, and you have refused to accept that. And you want to kind of arm's length say, you know, he made me a man, but I'm feeling like a woman. And you're just doing what thou wilt here on earth. You were born a man. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, once again, I think it goes back to being a sexual preference and, a, and an attraction to people of the same sex. But when someone says, I was born a certain way, that's incorrect. No one knows how they were born. I'll say that by saying this. I'll clarify by saying this. Your earliest memories go back to what? Maybe three years old or something. Uh, you know, I can, I can, I define my memories by when I was six years old, we moved from one house to another house. So I have memories that are from my first house. And I said, well, these memories all had to have taken place before I was six years old. And these memories have to take place after I was six years old because we moved from one spot to another um, when I was a kid. Now, my earliest memories, maybe mine, will go back to about three years old, I, I, I imagine. I can remember when my brother and sister went off to school in kindergarten and I was at home crying because I didn't go yet. So I had to have been four years old then because school started when we were five. So someone can say from my earliest memories, I had an attraction to the same sex. So I felt a certain type of way, but they can't say they were born that way. Mm -hmm. You know, because once again, it comes down to sexual attraction. And that's all it is. And even when you're a little, you know, you, when does sexual attraction begin? Sexual attraction begins at what age? And so, um, you know, they're trying to find ways to excuse sin. And like you say, it's a demonic suggestion that someone took heed to and maybe is endeavoring to act upon. But, you know, especially when it comes to these minors and these kids, man, you shouldn't allow kids to make decisions like that because over the years, you know, I can look at my life. I grew up in the streets. I was out there in those streets and I had a certain mindset and proclivities when I was 15 that I don't have at 65. Mm -hmm. And so people's thoughts change over time. You don't want to engage in something or get something done you physically that's irreversible. <laughs> and then you're regretting it later on in life. Now, I want to I want to talk about what you just said, because it's so important. Uh, a nation that is undoubtedly in crisis, morally, spiritually, governmentally, we're in crisis. 
Um, we have to start relying upon our elders that know, like you, I want somebody with experience in the streets at 15 that you said, ah, man, that's not the right path. I'm going to end up in jail. This is, you know, I, I may be able to fulfill my impulses to go out and steal, acquire wealth, you know, uh, uh, illegally, but that's short lived. So as a wiser man at you're how old? 65. Holy cow. That's shocking to me. I mean, I say shocking to me. I uh, at sixty-five. I hope I I have the the youth that you have. Your overall presence. I've met you in person when we were down there at at uh, Clay Clark's uh, place. That's amazing to me. But sixty-five. And my wife says I'm fifteen. So your beautiful wife. Yeah, your beautiful wife. I'm younger inside than I am on the outside. Yeah, I say I'm an eighteen-year-old stuck in a fifty-seven-year-old's body. You know, um, but you know we've got a lot of wisdom that come with us. I mean, and that's you cannot delete that. The younger generation needs to start respecting the wisdom of the older generation that knows the difference between. What life is like now compared to when we were growing up, good or bad. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, and the Bible says wisdom should be the stability of our times. Uh, this generation needs to rely upon the wisdom of their progenitors and predecessors in order to avoid making a number of mistakes that were made in the past. You know, I counsel my grandson like that all the time. I mean, I've got nephews that I have nephews that are in the penitentiary right now. And I used to try to tell them, hey, man, let me tell you something. With the roads you're going, you got three alternatives, dead, burnout, or in jail. Mm -hmm. Because a number of the people I grew up with, a number of the friends that I had, that I still have now, dead, burnout, in jail, or they were in the penitentiary. They're out of the penitentiary now. And they finally learned to slow down because they're in their 60s now. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I see people all the time that I knew growing up, friends of mine, that were brilliant young men back in the day, brilliant, handsome, articulate, could have been anything. Now they're basically burnout, drug, doped out, burnout drug heads that have been in penitentiary several times because of the lifestyle choices that they made. I'm just so glad God got me out of that when I was when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, this generation needs to rely upon the wisdom of um, its predecessors. Even though this generation has a lot more negative influences than we had. We didn't have social media and these idiots and, and fools and clowns on social media to um, influence us yeah. the way this generation does. See, when I say the, um, uh, it's, it's demonically, satanically rooted. Uh, somebody who's going to say, well, I, I like, I like uh, rap music. I love, you know, I love the, you know, the thug life, the street life. I love, you know, uh, being promiscuous. I love all those things, but I'm not satanic or demonic. But I'm here to say that everything that is encouraging it is putting that in front of you. Yeah. There's an exploitation. We need leadership. Somebody behind the scenes is encouraging the transgender movement on a massive scale, not just to everyone to have uh, to be a transgender and 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 and, and, and co-opt our children, uh, but society to accept that perversion yeah. of God's creation. There's a force behind the scenes. You may not be satanic, but you're certainly being an influence by a yeah. satanic agenda, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, the devil is behind, Satan is behind all evil and all evil influences, uh, uh, the suggestions. And, you know, the majority of attacks by the devil are attacks in and upon the mind. He seeks to influence our mind and subvert our thoughts and our thought processes. 
in order to uh, erode us spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and uh, actually physically as well. And, uh, you know, that's his plan. That's part of his plan. And we see the erosion of American society through the emotion, the erosion, excuse me, of our values and our morality. And it leads us to where we are right now. And you see those that are in authority really don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to handle it. You know, uh, it, not to go into too much detail, you may know just a little bit. If you go Google me, don't believe what you see out in, out there on Google because there's a demonization that we're familiar with. You know, the right wing, blah, blah, blah. None of that's true. But I was a political prisoner. And let me tell you what the blessing was. Um, I was held uh, for 619 days. And why I bring this up? Guess where I was held, though? Here's, here's the thing. Well, by the way, we won two federal trials, so... And here I am after facing four life sentences, like the January 6th Patriots. It was a smaller version in the Bundy stuff. But guess what? I met a lot of men that were murderers. They were dope dealers. They were, you know, uh, they, they, had, they committed crimes. And I became friends with them. And I refused as a, as a Christian godly man. I wouldn't go with that, you know, in detention with that racial division thing. Like I couldn't sit with the black car and I would I'll never forget the first time. Bunch of murderers sitting at a table, right? And uh, and they said, man, Santilli, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? You can't sit with the black car. I'm like, black? I'm like, you guys are black? What? <laughs> and they would laugh. <laughs> but guess what? Those same people at the table, guess what I learned about them? I said, man, you're nice, Joe, or whatever, you know, whoever it was. You're a nice guy. I mean, I, how could you be in this situation? And time and time again, I heard this over and over and over. And they said, Santilli, it's actually kind of a blessing that I'm in here because I was addicted to drugs. I made some really bad mistakes and I'm a very person on the outside. And the person you're meeting now is without the drugs. I'm not a criminal. I'm a man of God. And I invite him to prayer circles. And they were good Christian men. So before that experience, you know what I used to say? Oh, hey, come out of jail. You're a Christian. Ah, that's because you got in trouble, you know? No, you know what it was? They got right with God because they didn't have those outside satanic influences pounding them with drugs, crime, right? And the environment. Do you agree? Now, you're the subject matter expert in that regard. You're in the prison well, systems. Am I absolutely, right? Absolutely. I agree with it. Listen, when I was growing up, there was a period of time in my life when my circle of associates, murderers, thieves, criminals, pimps, prostitutes, that was my social uh, uh, set. That's, those are the people that I gravitated, I mean, that I associated with. And to me, to be quite honest, that was normal life to us. There was nothing abnormal about that life. And actually, the people that weren't living like us were abnormal to us. And here's the thing that, that's kind of um, uh, amazing about that. And, and I know people are taking me to task for saying that, but I saw, in a certain sense, a lot more integrity among that circle than I see in some so-called clean circles in Washington, D.C. or whatever. In other words, I knew where I stood with those people. And mm -hmm. their word, in a lot of cases, was their bond. Yeah. And they weren't trying to undermine me because we were all in the same activities yeah um but now i see in a lot of cases especially when i deal with people in politics or whatever 
they'll say one thing to your face and there'll be something else behind your back. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And I'm Italian too. The uh, the <laughs> mafia. I have family members in organized crime that, you know, I right. left from New York. But I'll tell you what, they are incensed by the level of criminality. There's no code of conduct. The code of conduct in the mafia uh, is 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 has more integrity than the code of conduct yeah. and the criminals in the in our government right now. Yeah, yeah. Same thing in, you know, in the jail system. It is there's a level of self governance that you mm -hmm. know they used to walk up to me and say Santilli. They didn't know where I was. I wasn't on the black car. I told them I was I was on the Santilli Italian unicycle that I'd rather be shanked and bled out. Uh, you know, before I have to be forced to go with a color. So they would warn me. They'd say, hey, they call us the Bundy car. It was a group of us godly patriots. They said, you guys need to step aside. It's about to go down right now. And they had to live yeah. in their culture, but they had enough integrity rather than have the chaos associated with the violence in the prison system. It was very orderly. They called it. Yeah. They'd call a meeting. They'd say, We're, it's going down. They'd ask us to step aside. I'm like, man, there's more structure and organization in this place yeah. than there is in the streets of Chicago. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah, there is. And once again, there's a, there is a certain degree of honor among criminals and in You're that right element. That. That's why I'm not so quick to judge them so harshly. That's why I don't look down. You know, you see these, especially on social media, they act like uh, 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 this person, that person, nothing but a drug addict. Like, because they use drugs, they were uh, filthy, filthy scumbags. And I will always say, well, listen, you're, you're denouncing the dry high while you applaud the wet high. Mm. <laughs> In other words, it's okay to drink a ton of liquor but it's not okay to use a lot of drugs. The goal is the same. These persons are attempting to arrive at altered states of consciousness. This one wants to get high off a liquid source. This one wants to get high off a dry source. You can't say the dry horse, the dry source man is a scumbag, but the liquid source man is not. I'll give you an example. Uh, one time, I don't know, 2018, 2019, I was over at, uh, I was at the Trump Hotel in DC, and there were a number of well-known People there, they were back in the back, having their get together, whatever powwow. Their liquor bill was at $30,000 and counting. Wow. $30,000 and counting. They were back, they're getting towed up from the floor. Mm. And no one saw a problem with it because these were some respected members of the political scene in Washington, D.C. Mm. Now, if it had been some guys snorting $30,000 worth of cocaine, they would have been looked at as scumbags. Criminals. Yeah, right. It, yeah, you, you get the point I'm making? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's why there's a, there's a, I guess people don't think when it comes to their value system. And that's why I don't look down upon people like that and say, well, this person deserved to die because he had fentanyl in his system. But if this person over here that's a suburbanite, uh, a kid that grew up in the suburbs and took some fentanyl and OD. Oh, he's an accident. We have to go after these dealers. We have to go after these suppliers. It's a shame that little Timmy OD'd on some fentanyl. He was just a good boy that, that did a bad thing. But if this person that grew up in a certain environment or a certain kind of way, he OD's off of it, he's a scumbag. Yeah. And so that's the hypocrisy that pervades our American society right now um, mm -hmm. that I think you know needs to be that, that type of mindset needs to be adjusted. I'm, um, I'm inspired to take us and lead us in this direction because I need to make a really good point because the people I met internally and I learned a lot about the, the, you know, the drug culture, 
And I'm telling you, greater than 80%, 80-90% of those that were in there, they committed crimes, they were dealing drugs, sometimes in mass quantity. The ones in mass quantity, you know what they told me? That the biggest drug dealers on planet Earth are the feds and the police. <laughs> that's a that's a fact. That's a truth. I've looked at their cases. Some of them I helped. You know, they were entrapped because there's this mechanism. Now, uh, that's a hard, cold reality because these people are they're self-governing. They set up their own economy. I've been in the streets of Baltimore. And they said, we don't need EBT cards. We don't need handouts. We don't need CVSs. We don't need liquor stores. We need jobs. And one of the only jobs I can get here in Baltimore is to sell drugs. And most of the drugs I get are from corrupt DEA agents and police officers, you know, that are running prostitution rings. But they all know that, that when their time is up, the bigger they get, okay? Then when the system, they use them as useful idiots. When they're done with them, you know what they do? They go get their drugs, they get their cash, and they throw them in jail. And they hold the full force of the government over their head to plead out or or snitch or it's 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 an evil evil system that they're all well aware of not not yeah. saying that they, they won't accept accountability but they know yeah. who the, the the leaders are in that criminal crime syndicate you're absolutely right i mean we had an instance like that when i was coming up there was a certain person in cleveland that ran all of the dopes all of the drugs and they were actually we didn't find out until after this guy died that he was an informant for the feds because, I mean, they sold drugs and were doing the main supplier of drugs uh, in the area. And anybody that was seen as competition, they would set them up, snitch them out, whatever. Uh, but after this guy died and his son ascended to the throne, the feds turned on, put the kid's son in jail. This was 35, 40 years ago, put the son in jail. They charged him under the RICO Act. Back then it was called running a continuing criminal enterprise. They took everything, took his homes, took his cars, took all the money and put him in jail for 20 years. Because once his old man died, his old man had his old man had the goods on a number of judges and politicians and whatever. But once the old man died, his power died with him and they rolled this guy out. And so that's common, it's ordinary. You know, you're not able to just uh, flood this flood these cities with this without having some type of political connections do you agree and police protection as well do you agree and this is what i'm leading to right now uh i believe that whoever has been behind this thing whether it be immigration let's talk about the the drugs the fentanyl is a major thing and you know here in ohio it's a big big thing people are a lot of people are dying from it but these drugs that have come to the United States of America, I believe is a huge problem, national security issue, and it might even be intentional to bring us down because it is, do you know anybody that's addicted to fentanyl or dealing fentanyl that is successful? Do you know of anyone? No, you know, what, what I know is, um, I know friends of mine that grew up that OD, right? Mm. And at the time, these guys have been using dope since we were kids. Mm -hmm. And like, once again, I'm 65 years old. You are more older than me. And then I look up and they say, well, Brett OD, uh, Donald OD, Fat Rob OD, Pee Wee OD. And I'm thinking, how are these guys OD? These were, these were uh, lifetime drug users, didn't have a lot of money. And you build up a, a, a tolerance. In other words, put it this way. 
if, if, if you're the average dope head on the street, there's only a certain amount of money worth of dope you're going to use every day anyway. So say this guy is using $100 a day or $50 a day worth of drugs. Then all of a sudden, one day, he uses $50 worth of drugs and it kills it, then there's something wrong with the dope. And that's when we began to understand how fentanyl was uh, infiltrating this country because guys that have been career drug users all of a sudden began to overdose. And so I know a lot of guys that I grew up with that have OD'd. In fact, it's almost, even to this day, I, I get a report at least almost, almost once a week, well, this one died. How did he die? He overdosed. That one died. How did he die? He overdosed. And so uh, now I understand that it was because of fentanyl that yeah. these guys were overdosing. It, it needs to stop. It's a problem. So many things we need to fix. Now, uh, I'd like to take uh, time out, sir. And, of course, I don't want you to disclose any, whether it be private conversations or stuff that you know, but in general. Um, I'm kind of like a Trump historian because when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I got a suit, tie, you know, they, you know, I got out on a, on a medical and they said, you can try the civilian world. So I got a suit, red tie, a Johnson and Murphy wingtips, a briefcase and a book. The first book I bought was Art of the Deal, Donald J. Trump in the late 80s. And I put it in there. So I've been following him as a, you know, as a successful businessman, you know, a mentor of sorts, not working directly with him. Um, but you've had exposure to him. And when he came into the White House, there was a couple things, because me as a uh, born-again Christian and seeing him and knowing about his travails, and he's holding prayer meetings in the White House. I, I had never seen that before, and I follow politics my, my whole life. And then I learned something a little bit more about him. And this is where I want to ask you if it's real. Remember when he walked up to, he walked to uh, Lafayette Square and he held up that Bible? Hmm. And I know something about that Bible. That's, that wasn't just a Bible that was just taken off the shelf somewhere at the presidential library. That was a Bible that was in his family. Do you believe- yeah, his, mother gave him, his mother gave him that Bible. You know, you certify that. You're the first person to tell me those words. His mother gave him that Bible, didn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah, I've seen that Bible before. Yeah. I've actually, you know, I've held it in my hand. I, he, Have you so, really? His mother gave him that Bible. See, here's what people That's don't important. understand about Donald Trump. Donald mm -hmm. Trump has an old school reverence for Christianity and for Christians and especially for pastors. People don't know the very first time I met Donald Trump was at an impromptu prayer meeting back in 2011. Um, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of mine that I knew had a place in Trump Tower, had a condo, invited my wife and I there, said, oh, can you and Belinda come up to D.C.? I'm going to talk to you all about something. Not D.C., come up to New York. We're looking for a reason to get away. Yeah, we went up. And, she, and I knew they, that she stayed. It was Paula White. I knew that she had a condo at Trump Tower. So I thought we were going to a condo. I had been there before because her and I were discussing some business before about bringing a Christian television network to Canada. We were in some negotiations to do that. Uh, it didn't ultimately didn't pan out. But so anyway, mm. we go there. She said, we're going to go on the other side. We're going to go up into to the uh, the tower. So, okay. We go up to the tower. We go into the room that they filmed The Apprentice in, the boardroom. I'm like, wow, this, wow, this is a trip. And as we're up there, there were several other, what, less than, it was less, there was about six of us. Six of us, other Christian leaders there. And, um, Donald Trump walks in. And I thought, wow, you know, Donald Trump. 
I knew who he was. Um, I knew about his brand. And I thought he was just going to come in and say hello to everybody and leave. But when he walked in, he said, listen, I asked Paula to invite some people here that she thought heard from God. He said, I'm thinking about running for president in 2012. And I want to ask if you guys will pray on me that God gives me the wisdom to make the right decision. That's all he said. Wow. He bowed his head. He closed his eyes. We put our hands on him and we prayed on him. Nobody got their cell phone out to run. You know, back in 2011, it wasn't like that. Nobody got their cell phone out to run and make it a big, ooh, look, well, it was a private event. It was a guy asking for prayer. We prayed on him. The God gave him the wisdom to make the right decision. And then after that, we sat and talked for maybe three, four hours wow. about everything. He didn't leave. And to be quite honest, I liked the guy. I liked him a whole lot. And... You know, I was very impressed by him, by his knowledge, his acumen, his his, his viewpoints, his opinions about America, the state of America, mm -hmm. and what he would do if he was president. And I'll never forget one preacher, Creflo Dollar was there out of Atlanta, Georgia. And he said something to Donald Trump, I don't even think Trump understood, it's something I never forgot. He said, let me tell you this, this was 2011, private meeting. He wow. said, if you decide to run for president, you're going to be the target of a satanic attack the likes of which you never even imagined. And you know, Trump really didn't understand what he was saying. Like, oh, what do you mean a satanic attack? He said, I'm telling you, you decide to run for president, you don't get attacked by the devil like you, on a scale that you've never ever dreamed of. I never forgot that Crippo Dollar said that. And it's rung true to this day. Look at what's happening. And so he decided not to run in 2012 as we left he and I exchanged phone numbers. And because I, we had some good conversations, he said, man, I like your conversation, let's stay in touch. We stayed in touch. Maybe about a month later, he called me and said, I've decided not to run. And I was a little bit disappointed because I was gonna back him if he did. I, I didn't like Obama, I was gonna back Trump. And he said, stay in touch. We stayed in touch over the years, I don't know, three, four or five times a year. I called him up or I called Michael Cohen up and just say, man, how's it going, what's going on? 2015, May, I got a phone call. Hey, Trump is running. You you in? Yeah, man. Be in New York. Can you come to Trump Tower? He's going to make the announcement. Yeah, I'll be there. And the rest is history. He came down that elevator and the rest is history. Yeah, and he said something significant. And and, and I want to I want to bring this up. It may be controversial uh, in how I put this, uh, but, but I'm opposed to this pandering uh, to the black American community for votes. I can't stand it. Even the Republicans. I remember they'd take like Chris, uh, some guy named Steele, and they'd take the, the token black guy and put him on and sell big fire. And I'm like, you know what? I don't like you doing that. And I believe that the President Trump, he was genuine. He, he was genuine, and everybody else knows it because we saw them cheering him on when he was going through the hood in Atlanta because they know that he's the real deal. But here's my question to you. Um, he said something, not just coming down the escalator, but to the black American community that, that were in tune with what he was saying. He said, I, I, you know, I want what's good for you. I want you to have jobs and so on and so forth. He said, you have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. You have nothing yeah. to lose. You, you wrote a book. I want you to talk about why you wrote that book and how significant that statement was to you. Well, my very first statement to Donald Trump after the prayer was, 
why do you think black people will vote for you? That was the very first thing I ever said to him in my life. What makes you think black people will vote for you? Word on the street is you're supposed to be a racist. And he looked at me in my eyes and he said, hey man, I'm about the least racist person you ever want to meet. And my, my line of work and my way of what I do, I can't be a racist and do what I do. Now, I was waiting for him to go into the standard spiel. Mm. I had a black friend when I was growing up. We used to know a black maid to clean the house. I knew it was black. He didn't do any of that. He just said, I'm not racist, and that's it. And he did not go into any of the arguments to try to convince me that he wasn't a racist. And so then I started looking for some subtle signs of racism out of him, and I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. He was just honest. And we talked about things. I said, what do you think that can be done to help the black community? He said, I think, this was his exact words to me, back in 2011 now. He said, I think unemployment, underemployment, and um, depressed living conditions are the main source of problems in the black community. Yeah. I said, well, what do you do about the unemployment? He said, I'm Donald Trump. You, yeah. you cut me, I bleed jobs. Yes. <laughs> he yeah. said, and I bleed. He did. If you get, he said, unemployment, and he underemployment, did. and depressed living conditions. If we can solve those, we can see an um, uh, elevation of the black community in America. And he was, you know, I would say that, that part of this effort uh, uh, to, to, to take him out um, wasn't just prior to the campaign, spying on his campaign, but the sabotage of his presidency. Because could you imagine if he was turned loose and didn't have those obstructions, what he could have oh, done yeah. for the United States of America? Yeah, people tend now to try to ignore or overlook, even when I look at things coming in the primaries from some of the candidates like DeSantis and Haley and all those that try to attack Trump and talk about what he said he was going to do, but he didn't do. They tend to ignore all of the opposition that he had the entire time he was president. I'm talking about not just opposition from the left. He had as much opposition from the right as he did from the left. He has so many distractions. He has so much opposition. I'm surprised he was able to get anything done. Oh, yeah. And uh, his, um, his perseverance. Have you talked to him lately? Um, I talk to him all the time. You do? Okay, so I... Yeah, I, I mean, I call him on the cell phone. I try to pick and choose when I call based upon what he's got going on. Like, I know if he's got a rally today, I won't call. I try to wait till I can catch him Yeah. Uh, at these times. Like, when he went to New York and got arrested, I called him that evening. And, and when he answered the phone, he said, hey, what's up? I said, uh, let me ask you a question. He said, what? I said, what kind of bird don't fly? <laughs> <laughs> Jailbird. Uh, jailbird. And, and you know what he told me? He said, hey, man, I'm the only guy in the world that can get arrested and, and go up 10 points in the polls. And we both laughed. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You good? You good. Okay, I'll talk to you later. He and I have a very, very good friendship. He's my friend first. I'm going to respect him as my president. I'm going to respect him as, as a guy that's older than me. He's 12 years older than I am. But we're friends first. And I, I enjoy our friendship. We have a very informal, casual friendship. You know, he told me recently, well, no, he told me about a year, year and a half ago, because I knew he was going to run again. He had told me, he said, the mistake I made last time is I didn't take my people with me. Uh -huh. He said, this time, if I go back in, I'm taking my people up there. He said, I was trying to do the right thing and quote unquote, unify the party and bring these in. And a lot of people there that were there with me weren't with me. So then he said to me, why didn't you come with me last time? Because he offered me a position. And I said, man, because I got fired. 
That's why. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I've been the worst doggone. And, uh, listen, I've been self-employed for 35 years. I, I, I'm set in my ways. I said, I'd have came up here, man, and, and I'd have got fired. And it would have changed the dynamics of he and I's relationship. Mm. But he told me, he said, if I go in again, you got to come with me, and I'm not taking no for an answer. I said, well, we'll, we'll consider it then. You know, his, uh, and th I'm speaking as an outside observer. Maybe you can confirm this through your relationship with him. You hear it in his voice. You know, anybody, uh, because I know for a fact, I've studied him. He loves his country. Late 80s talk. He was talking about China in the late 80s. This isn't a new thing. So going after China is not some trendy thing. But the attacks that are upon him, because of his love of country and how they're using the full force of the government, illegally. I mean, they're doing everything they can. Uh, to destroy him. It's election meddling straight up. His arrest was election meddling. Uh, so that may, that'll take a toll because he loves his country. But how is his spirit? How is his spirit? I see that guy as a lion that's common on, that's ferocious, his spirit internally. Is it not? Yeah, you, you can find an old video of me. It's on YouTube. I think it's called Donald Trump is not a racist. They interviewed me. And I said to somebody, I said, he reminds me of me. He's a white me. And I said that to say this. If Trump is having a bad day, you won't know it. I've never seen anyone with the resiliency and the attitude that he has. But he reminds me of myself. Um, my daughter said that about me. Somebody said, well, you know, I, I know your, 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 my, your father, uh, because of the attacks that he's receiving being with Trump, I know it has to get him down. She said, if it does, you'll never know it. Mm. And that's how he is now. Years ago, somebody said this to me. Uh, a guy that was a pastor was having a rough time. He said, man, I was having such a rough time with my congregation and whatever that I got clinically depressed. He said, I couldn't even go outside for a month. He said, do you get depressed a lot? And I said, no, I don't get depressed. I get pissed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, I don't internalize. I get pissed and I'm bent. And because I do that, Depression can't get in there, and that's how Trump is. You know, yeah. Trump is not the type of guy that's going to be depressed and sitting mm. around and moan. No, now he will get pissed off. Yeah. Oh, and when he gets pissed off, he will vent, and as a result, I'm sorry that venting relieves him of any frustration or any depression that might try to take root in it. And so, yeah, he's 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 just a tough guy, man. He's not no wimp. He's tough. He's tough. And so, you know, whatever comes along, he just deals with it as it comes and keeps it moving. I know, I know from what I've seen over decades, he's not, he's not a racist. He's not. And just nah. like he said, he can't afford to be because he's got to have relationships with people and he's got to get stuff done. He would have never been as successful. Here's, uh, I'm going to make two uh, points here and I want you to drive this home. Um, President Trump doesn't act any differently to members of the black American community. Yeah, I think he's got a respect for their culture, their environment, and, and, and he politically exploits the fact that you want to go Democrat? Look what they got for you. Look at any inner city. That's, the, that's what the Democrats have for you. But I think he's got a respect for the black American community and culture. He doesn't need to act black to get along with black Americans. He doesn't. Listen, I said this back in 2016. Trump ain't gonna turn his hat backwards, sag his blue jeans, start never uh, bumping Tupac to prove that uh, he's not racist. Trump not only has respect for black culture, Trump is actually a product of black culture. If you look at Trump, yeah, you think he was a black dude. He acts like black dudes. Mm -hmm. He acts like black celebrities act. Mm -hmm. 
the swag, the bling, oh, the, the over the top, the, boss. the bravado, yeah. talking smack. Yeah. He acts like a product of, and to be quite honest, that was his circle of associations in New York back in the day in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, he with all the black celebrities. Yeah. I remember he and I were together back in 2016. We were riding in the car and he told me, he said, man, hey, I'm on 22 rap albums. <laughs> he knew just how many he was on. He, yeah. you know, the, the, the black community and Donald Trump had a great relationship. They just tried to pin that racist narrative on him simply because he was running for president mm -hmm. on the Republican ticket. Yeah. If he had came out and said he was running on the Democrat ticket, they wouldn't have tried to charge him with that. He knows it's foolish. He knows it's, it's stupid. And he doesn't pay any attention to it. Somebody asked me one time, they said, if you were accused of not liking white people, what would you say? <laughs> and I said, hey, listen, some white people I like, some white people I don't like. Yeah. I actually dislike more black people than I do white people because I know more black people. <laughs> yeah. More international black people. But here's the thing. I wouldn't start trying to stereotypically pantomime white behavior mm. to prove that mm -hmm. I like white people. Yeah. I said, right. So why would we expect Trump to, to act like he's got a bottle of hot sauce in his black pocket, mm. black pocket, and do things like that to prove he likes black people. He's not going to try to act black to prove he likes black people any more than I would act white to prove I like white people. And so, you know, when, when you put it like that, people can't deny the obvious. Trump is who he is, and he deals with everybody. And that's it. And he and I are able to have very, very frank, blunt conversations about race without either of us being uncomfortable. Oh yeah, and I, I live in a very diverse community. I don't know if you know if you know that Cincinnati is very diverse. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I I live in a, in a neighborhood that you know. I, I mean, I have black neighbors that literally literally put their life on the line for for me. I mean, we've got a brotherhood here. But uh, let me let me tell you something. There was a time where you know the MAGA red hat. I'd be wearing. I'd go down to Walmart, and uh, I'd see you know somebody coming across the parking lot. You know, older generation. And they'd be looking at me, you know, they'd look at me and they'd look down and look away. And I'd, I'd hold on a second and I'd get their attention and I'd say, you see, you know, this, this hat that I'm wearing, you know what this means is that you got food on your table. You got a job, you got security. Life is good for you. You can be a black American living here in Cincinnati that you know is diverse, but this hat means that it applies to you. Even if you're a, a Democrat that I want life to be good for you. And man, he beamed, right? And here's another yes. thing, another experience that I had. On election night, I'm in prison scrubs and I'm watching at seven o'clock and I'm with a group of guys, everybody's watching, right? And black car, I'm having a conversation with them. They're man, he's racist. And I'm like, hold on, whoa, 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 time out, time out. If you were racist, you know, you already know I'm not a racist, right? Here in, in our environment, I'm not a racist. And I don't like racists. What did he say that caused you to think that he's racist? Can anybody name one thing he said or did that caused you? And we had that discussion on election night. Nobody could name it. And they literally just, without admitting it, they kind of turned. And I said, you've been told he's a racist. You've been lied to because they don't want you to, to like him. But he's not, he's not exhibited any of the characteristics of a racist. Isn't that true? They all agreed. That's yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And, and Joe Biden has. Oh, Here's the thing. Here's the thing that's, that was somewhat demeaning and insulting to the black community. The fact that blacks, Hispanics, and women 
white women too, were not giving, given any intellectual reasons to not support Donald Trump. We were given emotional reasons. They told the black community, don't vote for him. Why? Because he hates you. He hates black people. Don't vote for him. They told the Hispanics, don't vote for him. Why? Because he's a xenophobe. He hates you. He's one of, he wants to ship you guys all out of here. He hates immigrants. They told white women, he's a misogynist. He's a sexist. Don't know. Emotional reasons. Now the white man, they gave the white man intellectual reasons. With the white man, it was economy, it was foreign policy, it was domestic policy, it was all of the into treasury, whatever, all of that. But with blacks, Hispanics, and women, they gave us all, they played on our emotions. But when you take the emotions out of it and look at it intellectually, they didn't have any reason uh, against them with us. No. And so that's why they were able to play the black community like a fiddle in that respect. And then after four years, See, they can't do it now because blacks are looking back saying, hey, wait, what racist stuff did he do? He was president for four years. You guys act like if he got to be president, we were all going to be wound up, lynched, put back on the plantation and told back into slavery. Look what happened. He's been, a very, he's been much more proactive towards black than the Democrats are, and especially Joe Biden. You know who Vince Everett Ellison is? Yeah, I know of him. I've had him on. We've become good, good friends and... And he knows I'm, I'm, I'm genuine. I always ask him, you know, I, I love his message, right? And I ask them a question. You now, yeah, I want to, I want to help. I, I'd like to be able to, to get into the, you know, the, the Black American community and, 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 and lobby and do that same thing. Like, what, what, what do you dislike about this guy? What do you like about the Democrats? And uh, you know, he admittedly said, you know, that, you know, my messaging and certain controversial topics. He said, you can't. You're a white guy. I'm a black man. I'm, I'll tell the truth. And I got some credibility so i'm saying right now i'm calling upon americans it's difficult to do that americans and it doesn't matter what race creed or color you are going into 2024 it is the most important year i believe of our entire lives i want you as a leader as a spiritual leader somebody that knows president trump uh where our nation is and what we need we need americans to step up and i want you to send a message out in, in your own way to Amer be American, not, not a Democrat. Be be a, a America supporter, uh, not not a Joe Biden supporter. Uh, what message do you have going into 2024 for every American, no matter where you're at, especially members of the black uh, American community? Well, the one thing Trump has going for him now that he didn't have in 2016 is a track record. Uh, back in 2016, he talked about what he would do. Now, in 2024, he can talk about what he has done. Now, to be quite honest, there's a huge uh, surge of blacks that like Trump. And it's easy and easier now to win blacks and Hispanics, whatever, to Trump. It's not so easy to win them to the Republican Party. Yes. And that's where we're at right now. The Republican Party has a number of influences that are outspoken and influential that come across as racist and, and, and xenophobic. And it is what it is. Now, here's the thing. I'm giving up. I'm not, I'm not trying to win anybody to the Republican Party. I'm trying to win them to Trump. American. That's going to be an easier sell for me. Now, by osmosis, the Republican Party will benefit. Because in order for a number of Blacks, and I know a number of Blacks, my borrower, my barber, man, in 2016, he and, I, he and I used to almost come to fisticuffs arguing about Trump. He hated him in 2016. He hated him in 2020. He called me a couple of weeks ago 
and said, man, you know what? Me and my friends are talking. I'm voting for Trump this go around. Mm-hmm. But I ain't feeling the Republican Party. Here's what's going to happen. No. You're going to have a number of blacks that are going to go to vote for Trump. In order to do so, they're going to have to get Republican ballots. They will vote for Trump at the top of the ticket. I believe they're going to leave down ballot blank. They won't vote for the Republicans down ballot. However, that will be, it might not be a vote for the Republicans, but it won't be a vote for Democrats either. So it'll be both taken away from from Democrats. So we're going to benefit by by default. They will vote for Trump. They're not going to vote for the party down ballot. And it's, it's a hard sell for me to get blacks to convert to the Republican Party but it's not a hard sale to get them to vote for Trump. No, so this is where I'm at right I'm now. I'm going to pile on onto that one. I told you early on, I can't stand the pandering, like Fox News types. You know, here's another thing. I mean, if you're like gays for Trump, right? Trump likes that because, you know, Trump. that's the way Trump is. He's uh, uh, very inclusive, we'll say. But he uh, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't pander, okay, to the black American. No. He wants to provide. He really doesn't pander to any shit. Look at Ben Carson, e- economic opportunity zones. That man had one of the biggest impacts in the uh, 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 in the uh, health and human services sector. You know, Ben Carson himself, take care of the black American community. Here's my point. You know, like gays, uh, you know, joining the Republican Party. The Republican Party will exploit that. And then behind their backs, you know, how Christian conservative Republicans are about the gay movement. Behind closed doors, it's terrible. But the Republican Party, they'll pander and exploit. They'll say, oh, you're part of us. And they're warm and welcoming while they're behind your back, uh, stabbing you in the back. The Republican Party is evil. It is not truly about America. Here's my point. We need Americans to vote America. Americans to vote America. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. It's getting to the point where people are going to vote the person and not the party. And right now, Donald Trump is that person. And I believe God has called him for such a time as this, that he can definitely um, enhance and better America as our president than any of the other candidates out there right now. Um, and it's once again, it's an easier sale. Americans will be more inclined to vote for Trump. And oftentimes the stumbling block to voting for Trump is I like Trump, but I don't like the party. And so people are going to have to differentiate between the two. And I believe that we will see that in this upcoming election, um, that Donald Trump is the candidate of choice for real Americans. Absolutely. Final, final comment. Uh, and, and this isn't limited to what we're going to do in 2024. Uh, we're all chosen to do the right thing here. And if we do, then our nation can heal. And if we don't, then we're going to suffer the consequences. I am not giving reverence to the guy and worshiping him. Uh, uh, I recognize I have a role. I have to do everything I can as his capital H servant to do the right thing for my mm-hmm. country. Do you think President Trump recognizes what that means right there? What that is? Do you think he he is is he humble? Does he recognize that? I mean, we're all chosen to do something here. Does he recognize that he's chosen to do something? Oh, absolutely. You know what? He said this to us, 2015, we took a group of people, of preachers to the White House to pray for him. And let me say this, people want to talk about Trump's Christianity, so to speak. 
all of the major tenets of the Christian faith, pre-existence, virgin birth, sinless life, vicarious death, burial, resurrection, ascension, second coming of Jesus Christ, Trump believes in all of that. Now his sanctification process is no different than anybody else, just between him and God. I've got people in my church, I've been pastoring for 30 years. I've got people in my church that have been with me for 30 years, right? And a number of them that have been with me for 30 years, they don't miss church, they love the Lord, they're still struggling with some of the same things they struggled with 30 years ago. Yes. Their sanctification process, their walk with God, that's between them and the Lord. Mm. And that's how it is with Trump. But Trump said something a long time ago I never forgot. He looked at the group of creatures in the room and he said, while I was off building buildings, and this is quoted straight from him, he said, while I was off building buildings, you guys were pursuing a higher call. He said, I think it's time for me to catch up. He views what he's doing as a calling. Wow. It's, it's more than just another job in Germany. He didn't need it. He didn't need it for fame. He didn't need it for money. He didn't need it for notoriety. He didn't need it for power. Wow. He, he, he looks at it as a calling. And I never forgot that he said that. He said, wow. while you guys were pursuing a higher call. And in doing that, he was saying that what we were doing as preachers was higher, was a higher calling. He said, y'all were pursuing a higher calling. I was out building buildings. He said, now it's time for me to catch up. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, it is you powerful. Know, I never forgot that he says, said that. Although we go into 2024, he says, I am your retribution. If you look at the definition of retribution, a retribution is seeking vengeance upon those that have committed wrongful or criminal acts. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that, that you have to pay for the consequences. But guess what, he says, we're not going to use the full force of the government and abuse the power and break the law like they did. We're going to use the Constitution that they violated. We're going to use the judiciary to the law. Uh, and we're not going to uh, abuse that power. He said, we're, we have the law on our side. And retribution yeah. with that is not a bad thing to hold people accountable. Look, the bottom line, and I'll say this, Trump's a good guy. Yeah. I know good guys. I know bad guys. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I know both sides. I've been in the people business. I pastored my church for 30 years. I've been a minister mm. for 35 years. I'm in the people business. I deal with people every day. I've counseled thousands of hours of counseling people, counseling couples, visiting penitentiaries, going to hospitals, this and that. I know people. I can size people up. Yeah. Trump's a good dude. He's a good guy. If he wasn't a good guy, if he wasn't a good dude, I wouldn't have anything to do with him. Yeah, yeah. Instinct is everything. You're a good guy, too. You know we follow you. Deb and I, we do. We're, we're huge advocates. Uh, you're on uh, Real America's Voice. Uh, yeah. You're out there on social media fighting a fight. And, sir, I want to, you know, I know you're a busy man. News warranting and, of course, um, information warranty, and I'd like to invite you to come back on. I don't want that much time to pass since we got together, but I anytime. Thank you for coming and on, I'm right? happy to get you on my program on the Real America's Voice Television Network Saturday nights, eight o'clock. Oh. Smackdown with Daryl Scott. Now, you want to hear a good story? Yeah, absolutely. You know yeah. how I got that program? Wow. I got a call one time from Gina Loudon. Gina Loudon is with the network, one of right. the founders of the network, and she said that we went to President Trump with our new network that was starting up, and we told him that, you know, we asked him, could we have press credentials with the White House and can we have access to him and would he come on sometime and interview? And he said, I'll do all that under one condition. They said, what? I want you to give my friend the show. Who? Daryl Scott. That's oh. how I got the show. Nice. 
Really? Yeah, I never knew that. Trump did. Yeah. I was minding my own business and watched it. So when they, they asked me about the show, I said, look, I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that I'm a newscaster, I'm a broadcast journalist, I'm not any of that. I said, now, if you let me just come on and talk some smack, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> they said, you can do it. And that's why the name of the show is SmackDown. <laughs> because that's basically all I do is come on and talk a bunch of smack. And um, it's yeah. very irrelevant. Great. I mean, not irrelevant, irreverent. And I think it's entertaining. I would compare it to Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live, a mixture of Weekend Update and Greg Gutfeld. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm intentionally sarcastic, humorous, or whatever. It's just, actually, that's my personality anyway. But as far as me thinking that I'm some serious kind of newscaster, I'm not that. No. And I always convince myself, now I'm not saying, if you let me get on there and just talk a bunch of smack, you know. I'll do it. And so they let me do it, so I do it. Yeah, I was watching some Johnny Carson, uh, you know, old Johnny Carson reruns. You remember back in the day, yeah. 20, 30 million people would tune into, you know, Richard Pryor or, or Steve Martin and all those comedians yeah. coming up. 20, 30 million. And I bring that up because what people want, really, uh, that, that old school stuff is neat and everything. But as far as news is concerned, people want authenticity now. They will gravitate to authenticity like you're saying. That you're, you stay true to your core. You are who you are, and, and and that's what people want these days, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so, and the yeah. thing is, I don't care. So if they say I go keep on keeping me on, I don't care. That's, I'm not, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. I'm 65 years old, man. I, I, I'm around the third and heading home. If I get 20 more years out of life, if I die at 85, they say, well, hey, he was 85 years old, so hey, what the heck does he want? So that's just I, you know, I, I care and I don't care at the same time. I can take it or leave it. Pastor Darrell, you just proved my point. That that's what people want. And he said, I don't care. And that's what they want to hear, that you were just going to be yourself like me. That's OK. Stay. Hate me. Move on. And if everybody unfollowed me on Twitter tomorrow, I wouldn't care. Love that. That's great. Right. <laughs> it, it is what it is. We just out here living this life and we try to be true to ourselves and be true to God. That's great. That's great, sir. Thank you so much for letting I me appreciate hold you, you for, man. You're my friend. Uh, for so long. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Friend, my brother in Christ as well. Uh, we're on a, we're on a mission. Of I'm going to ask you one final question. You've got decades in your ministry. Do you think that this going into 2024 and what you're doing, that this is probably one of the most important parts of your ministry? Um, or is it any more significant than it was earlier? Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what God is going to do on this go round. You know, I was a little bit uh, more green back then. I'm, I'm a little wiser, a little more experienced. I think I can navigate the terrain a little bit more. I know God is up to something. And I know that as long as there's a Christian presence in this nation, God will not abandon this nation. They won't allow us to go all the way down. Uh, as far as the devil would want us to do because there are too many genuine born-again believers, too many people that are crying out to the Lord. His hand of protection is still upon America. And so I think he's going to uh, have his will and have his way in this nation. And I'm very optimistic and encouraged by what I believe God is going to do. Sounds like your faith is strong. That's what we need. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. It's an honor. God bless you. On. God bless you too. All right. Bye-bye now. No 
know you guys enjoyed uh, that interview. <laughs> it was uh, great. It was great. I know you enjoyed. He's like one of my favorite people in the whole world. Oh, so. he's he's a he's a great guy. Well, Pete, um, another great show, right? An, another great show. Yeah. We're gonna have a very merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, Karen, Angie, uh, in our threads, can you please drop that link? I have great news because behind the scenes, here's some here's some good news. Uh, we're kicking up a tornado in Colorado right now. There's a big call going on to get Colorado support, to get the citizens' grand juries. There's evidence of a criminal conspiracy. Okay? And uh, some cases in the courts, but you know how that work, how that works. They will find no wrongdoing. <laughs> but uh, tactical civics. All right. If you're in Colorado, uh, you need to join up with the chapter out there. A lot of buzz going on there. Uh, across the country, uh, get a chapter going with Tactical Civics. Um, get on our list. If you want to find out more, we're going to be doing a 18-hour um, marathon. I'll be one of several Masters of Ceremony, Brandon House and Vandersdale. Scott McKay and myself. Um, so send a uh, send a text to T send T C M actually or respond to that that link they're going to drop. There it is. Uh, Angie, no, that's not the link. Uh, Karen will give you the link. Oh, really? That's interesting. It's a hype. It was a hyperlink. Okay. All right. We'll change that. That's fine. But you can uh, text, text TCM to 844-837-5132. Um, there you go. Promo code Civil War. LOL. <laughs> Sign up with TC. Signed up with TC. Yeah, we have oh, quite a few it, people hop oh, in today and say you know what? Uh, okay, check this out. I have my orientation here in 40 minutes. It takes a little bit. They have to vet you, make sure you're not, you know, you don't have bad stuff on the internet like I do. <laughs> yeah, no. They're going to do some vetting. You, they're not just going to bring anybody in. So mm -hmm. it takes a little bit. Wait for them to contact you, and they will. They will. Okay? So, you guys... Um, we're off and running. We are. Uh, now, it's I Wednesday. Go on to my, now I go on to my day job. Make sure uh, you guys tune in uh, to LFA this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. Catch uh, the Santella Report. Make sure you guys do that. Right? Okay. Make sure they're with us. And then tonight, you can join us on Locals. Pete will be doing an interview on there for our Locals crowd. You get to hear it. You get to hear all the background. And chatter. you get to issue Q&As that Deb Jordan will be providing to me for our guests yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, she'll be in the locals chat. She'll be doing that for each and every one of our guests. Who's our guest tonight? Do you know? Oh, man. Uh, it changes so rapidly. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it changes every day. We've been doing it for 11 <laughs> years. You figure, no, no, you know, no. I mean, you know. it's like 
oh my goodness i just it's not it's not registering with me because we have so many it's because you're white and two or three times a day we it's need, like, you're white and you're uh you have a lineage to joe biden mm-hmm. no yeah. i'm i'm a mutt i'm an american mutt you name it look I at how it. she look at how she takes my uh my what stereophonic abuses no i don't care you don't care i'm so used to it you are yeah she's powerhouse seriously <laughs> she's got like shoes under the bed yeah yeah right i do she'll throw them at me i do you guys i pretend like i'm tough on the show but uh i call her mommy when as soon as we get off <laughs> okay right oh man yeah. all right don't send me hate mail saying you're being mean to deb okay. he's not being mean i'm not a bit not a bit mm -hmm. It's just, we have that kind of relationship. So stay tuned, everybody. Stay with us. It was great being with you guys today. And for those of you who don't see us for the rest of the week, I hope you do. But if you don't, have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys. Um, I'm going to do uh, uh, what they call a, uh, a quick out. Okay. I have to. I got a little technical thing that I'm not struggling. What? Somebody, somebody's watching me. Says, "Be right back." Sending Pete hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> I am a mutt. I am. You're hilarious. The only thing I, the only thing I don't, I don't believe I have any Italian blood. Interesting, well, huh? You're Italian. You're, you're about to become Italian by injection. <laughs> I'm indigenous. You guys. The indigenous reason why Congo, whatever that means, I mean indigenous American. You guys, the reason why Congo, whatever that means. What else do I have? Irish, Jason, Deb around the studio for eleven English, years. Okay, German, Dutch. Yeah, I've been chasing her <laughs> around the studio for eleven years, and she said, "You know what? I'm not letting you anywhere near me until you know what, we can't be living in sin." <laughs> so. You want to marry me then then you can conjugate what <laughs> what's the appropriate term you're terrible all right everybody have sexual intercourse what? That's that sounds Stop. terrible huh? okay so she will be we gotta go this one month over. from now she's gonna be italian by injection <laughs> the music's over see you guys this as afternoon. we say here in the see santilli family afternoon. she's gonna get the jab <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Oh my gosh, you're terrible. That's funny. All right, you guys. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Yeah, right. we'll see you this afternoon.